Hey everyone, welcome to another Game of Thrones Tower of Babel Breakdown. As always, I'm Julian Misch. I'm joined by Daniel D'Souza. Yo. And we are here today to talk about Season 8, Episode 2, A Night of the Seven Kingdoms. And we're going to be breaking it all down. Every little intricate detail will be discussed in this episode. And uh, just a warning, spoilers through everything that's happened on the show. Everything is up, uh, up for grabs. We'll try not to talk too much about the next week on uh, preview. Some people don't like to watch that, so we won't talk about it too much. Um, I am excited to, at the end of the show, I'm going to jump back and look at uh, all the outstanding scenes from the trailer, uh, from the season eight teaser trailer of Game of Thrones that are left, that we haven't seen in the show yet. Spoilers, only four. Only four (laughs) scenes. But we'll talk about what those are at the end of the show. Um, Get some, uh, some house cleaning out of the way. Yeah, it's house clean. Daniel, it's house cleaning. I, I don't know why. I don't know why this bothers you so much. That this, this has become a thing. Yeah, well, every I like things, and this is like one of my one of my few fun ones that I get still. That it, you know, you guys had your thing. Like it was the cracking the can next to the mic and all those things. Those are things that pissed me off. So I get one. Yeah, go for it. I mean, it's yeah. it's just you highlighting a mistake that you made once, no, no, but whatever. It's all good. House cleaning. Okay, follow us on Twitter at Tower Babblecast. That's B A B B L E. Send us any emails to towerbabblepodcast at gmail.com. We like hearing your theories. Uh, we want to, we like interacting with you guys. So please send us any emails to there. Um, find everything we do at towerbabble.ca. Uh, we record this show. Obviously, it goes up there. You can find every episode in our archive up there. Uh, we also record a regular show, the Tower Babble Podcast, the one that started everything, where we talk about not just Game of Thrones, but uh, Star Wars and Marvel, DC. Uh, Avengers is this week. Avengers is this. There's a lot going on. There's the battle at Winterfell and Avengers in one week. Yeah. So many people I care about are going to die. And I'm just <laughs> so, offend, I'm just so upset. And I would say also Mortal Kombat comes out tomorrow. I know you don't care as much no, about I don't that, really care but about that's that. big for me. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, that's, you know, a taste of the kind of stuff we talk about. Um, you know, there's a lot more on, um, on the docket usually, uh, just film and television news wise, but, uh, you can find that at towerbubble.ca. Um, if you like the show and you like to help support it and make it better, um, you can head over to patreon.com slash towerbabblecast. And for as little as $5 a month, you can, again, support the show, but also get access to some free uh, exclusive content. Well, it's not free. It's yeah, it's $5. Literally it's literally paying. Yeah. It. You get some access to exclusive content. What we've been doing is uh, live reaction episodes immediately following the airing of Game of Thrones. So we've done two so far. There's a live chat in there, and we like to interact with the live chat. It's a lot of fun. So if that sounds like something you'd like to do, again, patreon.com slash towerbabblecast. Um, we'll be thanking, we had some new subscribers this week, so we'll be thanking them about halfway through the show. So stay tuned for that. Uh, Dana, am I missing anything? No, that's that's about it. That's a lot, a lot of things. That's a, lot of, that's a pretty lengthy opener. Yeah. Um, I guess I should. We should apologize to everyone who listened to the live reaction. We went long yesterday. Lots to talk about. Um, we might be retreading some of those same topics. Well, I imagine that that's bound to be the case. The live reaction. You know, we're going to be talking about the episode probably in in less um, detail. Yeah, uh, and it's more just like an broader reaction. strokes. Yeah. Um, but just by the nature of that fact, there's going to be crossover. Right. Yeah. So just again, be aware. But it should be fine. We got lots to talk about. 
Uh, but before we get into this week's episode, I have, we have a sponsor that we need to uh, give their due. So Troll Socks. Everyone loves socks. You need socks on your feet, generally. Daniel, you know, here's a question for you. What's that? Would you rather have wet socks or wet sleeves? This is a question that was posted to us by a friend of ours. I think it's a pretty clear answer, yes, which well, is wet worse. Sleeves. No, are wet, no, are worse? No, no. Wet sleeves are better than wet socks. There's nothing worse than wet socks. Yeah, I agree with you. Okay, okay. I'm glad. I almost had to disown you, you, you as a roll, friend. You roll your sleeves up, you're fine. But well, that's kind of you have wet sleeves. You roll them up. They're like on your forearm. That's kind of gross. I again, neither are good. But if it was between wet socks and wet sleeves, I will take wet sleeves every day. Yeah. Right. So let's say you have wet socks and you need to <laughs> you need to get rid of those as quickly as possible, and you want to get your your feet nice and dry and toasty. What are you going to do? You're going to put on a new fresh pair of socks, and I have a nice fresh pair of socks for you right here. Okay. So troll socks have changed the sock game forever, and their Game of Thrones socks have gone viral. The most unique socks on the planet. Troll socks are socks with faces of your favorite characters on them looking up at you. Look down at your feet and see Jon Snow, Daenerys, Tyrion, or Arya looking back up at you with soft fuzzy hair decorating your toes, keeping them comfy, and bringing each character to life. Daniel, you're wearing some right now, right? I'm wearing Tyrion right now, yeah. Have you ever mixed... <laughs> it's weird to say that. <laughs> have you ever mixed and matched them? Because I know you can do that. I guess in theory you could. I haven't yet, no. Who would you... Who would you if you had to wear a pairing, what would it be? Well, John and Danny makes sense, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Fire and ice. Does it these days? After this episode, does mm -hmm. it make sense? Hard to say. Uh, the Game of Thrones fan series are a must-have for Game of Thrones fans. Troll socks are limited edition and one-size-fits-all, so they make really great gifts. Wear them during your watch parties or just cuddle up on Sundays and cheer your favorite character on wearing their limited edition troll sock. Buy a pair of Jon Snow, Danny. Or you and your significant other, or Arya and John, or Tyrion and Danny, or a com any combo you like. You can buy multiple pairs and mix and match, uh, or buy the four pack and get the complete set and save 15%. Hurry up to trollsocks.com to get yours before they sell out. Once a troll sock character sells out, they are never made again. Um, so hurry up and grab yours soon. Um, so if you go to trollsocks.com, because I, I don't know if you know this, we have a deal. We have a deal for our yeah. listeners. So we encourage you guys to head over to trollsocks.com and use the code B-A-B-B-L-E-1-0, that's Babel 10, for 10% off. Uh, Troll Socks at, uh, offer free shipping in the U.S. for any orders over $50. So if you buy four, the four-pack, you'll get free fast shipping and cheap international shipping and 10% off if you used Babel 10 at checkout. So head over to Troll Socks, that's T-R-O-L-L-Socks.com and use B-A-B-B-L-E-1-0, Babel 10, for 10% off. All right. Nice. Let's... Jump into the episode. Let's jump right in, Dan. Sure. Uh, I'm ready. Okay. So it was written and by Brian Cogman and directed by David Nutter, two Game of Thrones vets. It's called A Knight of the Seven Kingdoms. And I think to anyone who's seen the episode, that's pretty clear why it's called that. Right. Great name, actually. I really like this title. Much better than Winterfell. We were talking, <laughs> we were, we were talking about this, how the titles have been getting lazy. But we, were, we also mentioned that the titles were kind of getting lazy as early as season two. So... Um, it's nice to see a nice clever one or a, a, a nice reference or it just, it just rolls off the tongue well and it, it makes you feel good. It's a good title. So I am going to be, I'm still annoyed a little bit by the fact that we don't know the title immediately after the episode. <laughs> it's still literally annoying me. Um, but, or like at least put a title card in the episode. So like, I, I know once I'm watching it, you know, whatever, small, small things. So the credits, uh, we talked at length about them last week. Not much new this week. Uh, basically, it's everything exactly the same except the tiles, the little flipping blue tiles that tell you how far the uh, Army of the Dead has marched. 
are heading towards Winterfell. Yeah, they've just advanced past Last Hearth. Other than that, the opening is the same. Yeah. Uh, again, still curious to see what happens once the Army of the Dead is defeated. I can't imagine that opening is going to change too, too much, but we'll see. So I know I've heard a little bit about, about this. I've done a little bit more research. This, the company that wanted to make, who, who made these, wanted to make like these significant cool changes way earlier on, right? They wanted to go inside buildings and like reveal like uh, uh, armies marching and all that kind of stuff way, yeah. way before, but they were never able to get that through past HBO. But in the last season, they're like, screw it. Let's do it. They threw all, you know, the whole kitchen sink in there. So okay. I wouldn't be surprised if we saw, you know, a big change after season or episode three um, at when the kind of the focus shifts again, you know? Right. Uh, all right. So first scene. We ended on Jamie Lannister last week. We start with Jamie Lannister this week. Uh, we kick things off with his trial. Danny is grilling him. She's telling that, that whole thing about uh, the children's bedtime story she was told by her brother didn't bring up that her brother wasn't like a psycho psychotic maniac or anything like that you know not relevant yeah uh anyway uh basically she's saying that she's upset that cersei lied to her uh to her he says that she lied to him too um Tyrion tries to come to his defense danny's not really having it she's pretty short with him these days uh sansa though surprisingly backs danny she's like yeah we can't trust him he fucked with our that, family. That's surprising. It was, I think, to Danny because she expect she they've been clashing heads, you know, a, a little bit. Yeah, they they, they have been, but uh, um, he's the loudest, so he's the their sworn right. enemy, right? Um, it would make sense for Sansa to be distrustful of, of Jamie. Butting heads. Yeah, cl- yeah I know. But I didn't. Heads. I chose not to correct yeah. you that time. Um. Anyway, while this is all happening, Bran speaks up. Just just chimes in with a little with a little nugget. Does everyone looks at him like he's crazy? Because he is kind of crazy. He's he's like, oh, I did it for my family. I really actually like the moment where where uh, he's defending himself, quote unquote. Uh, Jamie is, and he says, you know, would you want me to apologize? Because I won't. I would have. Di- I would. I would do it all again. You know, I was defending my family. Yeah, maybe not all of it, right? Right. I mean, <laughs> maybe the the pushing the kid out of the window thing. You know, uh, I'd have a little bit of regret about a couple things. Right, losing your hand. Couple. You know. Right. Right. But anyway. I do appreciate the gusto he shows there. Uh, and yeah, so he says he's doing it all for his family. And Bran chimes in with the things we do for love, which is thankfully they showed us that uh, in the previously on Game of Thrones. Right. Cut back to episode one, season one. <clears throat> uh, just a line. This is his favorite go-to method, right? Yeah, he did it to Littlefinger last season with the chaos as a ladder uh, thing. Um, that that's kind of Brand's whole shtick at this point is to say something creepy and prophetic. And What's he gonna use for to convince Danny? What's the line? Uh, something that Viserys said to her at some point. Uh, you don't want to wake the dragon. Something along those lines. Mm. Wear a golden crown, something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Or no, no, no. What he'll he'll do is he'll he'll know the um, when the sun rises in the west and sets in the east when the mountains crumble and all. Right, because she's the only one who knows yeah, that. Yeah, he'll, no he'll, one else he'll knows that. He'll repeat that to her, and then she'll know he's legit. Yeah, because that's, again, his go-to move is just repeating things that only they could possibly know, but usually lines of dialogue, so we also know that that's what's happening. Um, Anyway, he chimes in with that. I I laughed when he he did that. I had a little chuckle, uh, just because it is so, like, 
a little awkward, you know, yeah, the way he does it. It's a weird, it is an awkward scene. He says that. And then Jamie looks at him like he just noticed that he was there. Yeah. Which is the exact way that last episode ended with Jamie looking surprised you, to see. You want to see like a like a side by side cut of the two exact yeah, looks. They're yeah. basically exactly the same. Uh, anyway, so it looks like things aren't going well for for Jamie. But then Brienne stands up uh, and vouches for him. Sansa's like, would you trust him with your life? And she's like, yeah, I would. And she's like, well, good enough for me. He can stay, right? Uh, which was a turn, by the way, something that Danny wasn't expecting. And she, they mentioned that later in the, in this, in the episode. Um, I did find it interesting, though. Danny says, well, what does the Warden of the North think? Looks over at John. First time we've seen him since he found out this big news. Sitting there quietly in the corner. Yeah, he spends right. the majority of this episode avoiding Danny yeah. at all costs. And uh, he basically doesn't say much. He said, well, we need more. We need every man we can get. And then like walks away, basically. And I, <laughs> it is almost comical the way he like they stand up and they're like super close to each other. And he's like, OK, well, see you later. Whoop. And he like runs out as fast <laughs> as he can. Uh, anyway, Danny agrees to let him stay begrudgingly. Grey Worm gives him his sword back and really cool. Like, here you go. And then presses it into his I chest. I got my eyes on you. Yeah, sort of thing. exactly. <clears throat> The thing I noticed about Grey Room today, and I don't know if this has been true about his character the whole time, maybe I'm just noticing it now. He stands and walks like he's um, the admiral on a Star Destroyer with his hands behind his back. Yeah, I think that's always been the case. Right. He, yeah. Our first catch of the day. Yeah. Right? You know? Uh, okay. Anything else you want to say about the scene with Jamie, his trial? This is basically everything we saw in the pre or the next yeah, time on. Yeah, yeah. All I mean, this. he almost gets off too easy, really. In the, but, you know, it's because the stakes are so high and they know that the army of the dead is on the way, right? Right, but he wouldn't be there if it wasn't for those exact reasons. Yeah, yeah. It's just, you know, they seem to forgive him pretty quickly. Maybe not forgive, but forget, right? He also doesn't really interact with any of those major players. Like, he doesn't have a conversation with John. He doesn't have a conversation yeah. with Danny. He only, only talks to Tyrion and Bran after this this trial. And he obviously, he's in that room with Brienne and oh, he talks to Brienne too. But he's in that room with all the other people later on. But it's not like he's having a private conversation with someone who has a lot of power in this circumstance, you know? Yeah, which so, is, again, passing on. You'd think that Daenerys or John would want to speak with him. But whatever. I think John has bigger problems. Uh, okay. Danny and Tyrion. So before she can storm off in a huff, uh, she is pretty pissed at Tyrion. She like calls him... Um, so like, you know, he, because Tyrion comes to his defense, she's like, well, you, like, you know him, like, you know, your like your sister and all that kind of stuff. It's all fair. Yeah, everything no, he's, he's saying is, everything she's saying is of, fair. A, a series of mistakes on Tyrion's part. And it is kind of, it is kind of nice actually um, that she's calling him on it because we've been calling him on it for a while, right? It's like, yeah, you're right. Tyrion has been making lots of mistakes. And then the surprising part for me is that all the, all the people who come out of the woodwork to defend Tyrion. Which, like Jorah of all people, which is surprising. Right? Well, I mean, and they address that within the episode. He says, you know, he wanted to throw him over the, the mm -hmm. out of the boat the whole time, but at the same time, he is the right man for the job. He has the mind for it. They they really emphasize that, right? What do you make of that moment where uh, Tyrion looks over at Varys and says, "One of you guys will probably be wearing this by the end of this this whole thing." Do you think that's uh, foreshadowing or uh, not? In that case, no. I don't think that okay. we're going to lose Tyrion anytime soon. At least not probably and, yeah and i think we're more likely going to lose both of those others in next week's episode you yeah, think varus and jorah yeah mm, yeah 
Ferris is going to be in the Crips. We know things don't probably aren't going to go well for them because you know how we know that everyone keeps saying, "Don't worry, you'll be safe in the yeah, Crips." Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Jora, uh, as soon as he gets a new sword, for sure, for sure, done. You know, so poor guy. There's a couple. There's a couple moments in this episode. Where you're like, oh no. <laughs> this is that this yeah, is our yeah. last nice moment with these people. <laughs> yeah. That that person's too happy. Yeah, exactly. Brienne, I'm looking at you. Yeah. Uh but anyway. Danny's still pissed, but we deal with that a little bit later. We cut to the forge, and Gendry is working away at Dragonglass, still just making an, making weapons nonstop. Arya comes to go check on her weapon, but stops and like gives this like thirsty look to Gendry. Right. She's like, oh, look at him all sweaty and covered in coal or whatever he, whatever that grit is yeah. on him. Um, and <laughs> I just keep thinking of uh, my friend who messaged me yesterday right. during the Aria and uh, and Gendry like sex scene. The love scene. Yeah. Sex scene. Okay. And basically <laughs> she's just, she just texted me, yes. But then she also always talks about how Gendry is a stone cold fox. That was, and that's the, always the exact way she. It's not my fault. He's a stone cold fox, uh-huh. you know. Uh, so now I can't stop. I can't see Gendry though thinking stone cold <laughs> fox. Um, so anyway, he's working building up stuff, and they discuss how uh, they he fought some walkers. Yeah, there's like a little bit of back and forth conversation. She asks him, you know, what are they like? And his answer is they are were bad. "Quote unquote bad." I was worried that the show was like just having like a really hard time writing, and I was like, "Oh no!" But then they they address it. You know, you're like, "You're better than that." Like, give me something better than that lame ass adjective. You know, and so she asks, like, well, "What do they look like? What do they smell like? How do they move?" You know, and then she has that cool line about knowing death by many faces, and is excited to meet this one. Maybe yeah, line from the trailer, right? Um, and then she shows him how badass she is with throwing knives, I guess. Yeah, like spear yeah. tips or something, right? Yeah. She like she's bullseye basically, and hits all like all three perfectly right. <clears throat> um, anything you make about this scene? It's just you know uh, laying pipe for the later scene. Laying pipe, Daniel. You want to use <laughs> you want to use that you want to use that term? I swear I didn't mean to do. That. <laughs> but that's what it's it's doing. It's right. setting up that the, the later scene. Um, it's really fluffing things up ahead of okay. time. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Let's move on. <laughs> um, but yeah, it, that's what there. We also get it, her reminding him, like seriously, get my weapon. Like I'm really gonna need that. You know, um, which we get to see later in the episode. Which I mean, it's a, it's just a spear, right? No, it's not. There's it detaches in the middle for some somehow. We didn't see that. I wish they kind of showed us that. We guess we'll see it um, next next week. Uh, all right. Bran and Jamie. Beautiful scene. Gorgeous shot right. of the godswood. Jamie comes to apologize. And Bran says that uh, he doesn't mind that the whole thing about pushing him out of the window, water under the bridge. And it's basically, he has this whole thing. I really find this whole thing very, very interesting. And I really like it. This idea of not so much destiny, but you know, all the choices that you make lead you to who you are and where you are now. And it, you know, it applies to not just Jamie, but to Theon really, like, really well in this, but every character. But when you think about those specific characters and how they treated Bran, it's really, and how he's like, no, it's fine because we need you here now as you are, right. you know? It all worked out in the end. Exactly. From, his, from Bran, because he's big picture stuff, right? Yeah, exactly. 
so I really like that. I do like Jamie's face, just very confused during this whole thing. He's like, he's like, wait, you're not Bran? He's like, yeah, no, I'm not. I'm just some, I'm something else now. Which I just feel bad because he those the lines of dialogue he gets just not the greatest. They haven't really. I guess they spent all oh, whatever season five or six, six probably like really exploring mm-hmm, Bran's mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. visions and whatnot. So at this point, it doesn't require much more explanation. It's just a thing that happens. It's just a weird thing. Yeah. Um. I but. I'm really interested in the way that the other people around him deal with this, like, uh, you know, extremely powerful, knowing, all-knowing being, you know? Everyone seems to tiptoe around him, but, like, how much do they believe he actually knows these things versus just making shit up, <laughs> you know? We talked a little bit as well about, um, in the our uh, live reaction episode, what we call in the business the Professor X problem. And that could explain why he gets sidelined a lot in a lot of these, uh, in this later season, in in these later episodes, is that when you have a character who has the abilities like Bran or Professor X does in the X-Men, you have to, for good storytelling, sideline these characters so that they don't, you're not constantly asking, well, why isn't he just doing X power to solve this problem? You know? Um, So... That could exp- that could explain a little bit of this. Oh, anything else you want to say about this Tyrion Jamie thing? Uh, Brand Jamie. What did I say? <laughs> Doesn't matter. I, I said Tyrion <laughs> and Jamie because that's the next scene. Yeah, we can move on to that then. Um, oh, one other thing I think is important to note. They do mention, uh, you know, Jamie says, you know, it's every- oh, great, glad, glad everything's good, but what about after, right? Mm. And Brand looks at him and says, "How do you know there is an after? You know, what do you make of that?" That it's hard to read. I mean, there's no evidence, or there hasn't been any precedent yet for uh, Bran seeing the future. It's always been the past or the present. Um, so that's not necessarily prophetic. Um, but the, the way it's said, it certainly comes off that way, right? Right. Uh, like it's like foreshadowing. But the thing is, okay, look, like from a from a meta perspective, we know the battle is episode three. There's three more episodes, so we know that there is an after. First, of we all. know there's a yeah, we know there's an after. <laughs> um, <clears throat> And Maybe like, it's just three episodes of just wasteland. <laughs> it's just, it's just panning yeah. through all your favorite locales. Everyone's dead. You know? Yeah, three, That'd be a ballsy move. Three 80-minute episodes. <laughs> no dialogue. Um, and I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure there's going to be an after for Jimmy. Maybe not for Bran. Right. So maybe he can't see beyond his yeah. own death. Yeah. Right? If he can't see the future, which is unclear. Again, his powers are unclear. Ill-defined. Yeah. Hazy at best. Um, okay, so let's move on to Bran and Jamie. There's probably Tyrion and Jamie, right? <laughs> That's right. <It's> crap. <laughs> just, <laughs> just, they're just too similar. I have them right next to each other in my notes. Hold on, let me just go down a little bit here so I don't read that again. Tyrion and Jamie. <laughs> and this is the first time they've had to chat since, uh, oof, I guess, well, the briefly drag, the, dragon, the pit. dragon pit, but not for very long. And yeah. before that, it gets to set up the dragon pit meeting. Um, but either way, they haven't had a lot of time to talk privately since he murdered um Tyrion murdered their father and i think it's important to note that Jamie at the time when Tyrion did that was pretty pissed off at Tyrion yeah he was sure it, it like ruined their family he wanted to kill Tyrion for the longest time yeah. um i guess he got over it because there's so much other stuff going on and all the stuff between him and Cersei as well yeah maybe he can't see the big picture too he's, he's brands rubbing off on him 
but yeah, no, he he definitely wanted Tyrion's head right after that. Yeah. Um, and I guess they kind of addressed it when they met to set up the dragon. A little thing. bit, a little bit, but yeah. it was again this one like we don't have time for this. You know, you think they'd come back to it, but he seems more, um, like resigned to the whole the whole thing that's happening than rather than be like extremely emotional about it. He's kind of more subtle in in the way he's interacting with basically everyone uh, since he got since he got there. Um, so anyway, they talk uh, about the how the Northerners don't really like them, right? They get spit at. Uh, Jamie asks about Danny. He's like, well, what do you think of this new queen of yours, right? And asks if she's different, right, than the Mad King. Really cool moment, I think. Is, is like, is she different? Like, is she? Is she, though? Right? And this, yeah, is, this every, is something we've been debating for a while. Everybody in the show is saying that she's different. Everyone around her. But, but she doesn't act like exactly. she's different. Like, there's, there are moments where the dragon is woken, where she, she lets her anger mm-hmm, control mm-hmm. her. Um, and, it, and it flares up. And, you know, in this episode, she threatened to have T- Tyrion's head or whatever. Right. Um, that's just a flare-up. Obviously, she doesn't act, act on that impulse mm-hmm, necessarily. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, but there have been times where she has. A flare-up, eh? You put some like lotion on it and you can like calm it down. Um, anyway, uh, what I find interesting about that is you're right. She's not acting so much different, but Tyrion has always done a good job of keeping her in check. But now she's frustrated by the fact that she, that he's doing that to some degree. Yeah. He's made some mistakes, but she also doesn't, she doesn't like being questioned really. Yeah. Right. So think back or think, think back to later in the episode. Right. Okay, wait. Yeah. Let me. Okay. Yeah. Got it, it checks out. Yeah. It checks out. When uh, she's talking, uh, Danny's talking to Sansa, and she says that you know I trusted Tyrion to be my hand, not because not just because he was intelligent and whatever, but also because he was ruthless when he needed to be. And I'm like, that didn't ring true to me. I don't find that like, did you did you find that to be something that <clears throat> seemed to even remotely resemble why she trusts him? Um, I'm not sure when exactly. Maybe with Marine, with the, with the the Miranese and the Yunkish and Volantis. Uh, Volantine lords that were outside uh, in the bay. Right. <clears throat> he was fairly ruthless with them when it, the time came. Um, but aside from that, no, he's he's been sort of a voice of reason and a voice right. of caution. It's, she's, he's the one he's kept her in check, like we say, yeah. like, to a well, lot of degree, not think, always. Well, Danny's always had someone around to do that. Um, when it was Viserys, it was abuse, obviously, and he, she right. didn't need to be kept in check. She needed actually to grow and flower. Right. Um, but later on, it was it was either Jorah or Barristan or Tyrion or, right. or you know Varys slightly that someone that is keeping her in check and, and preventing her from really um, living her Targaryen life. Right, and she feels blood. like she's kind of outgrowing her um, advisors a little bit right now, where she feels like. She's trying to stretch her legs a bit and she feels like she's being held back. This, again, just my interpretation of how she might feel right now. She feel like she's being held back by her advisors who don't seem to be giving her good advice, right? You know, you have John there who she's kind of confided in a little bit, right? She admits that she loves him in this episode. Yeah. It does seem, it does feel a little hollow the way she says it. Um, but we know she's kind of confused why John is um, playing, you know, the cold shoulder. You know, giving her the cold shoulder, giving her the cold shoulder, not playing. You don't play the cold shoulder. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. Anyway, um, so I kind of lost my train of thought there, but basically, there's a lot happening ter- like internally with Danny right now. I think that I, I think is um, good TV. Yeah, and even more at the end of the episode, she gets. Oh, I know. So good. I know. I'm so excited to find out. Presumably. I guess we can talk about this now. We, we, 
No, we should save it. We should save it. We should save it. Uh, all right, so back to Tyrion and Jamie. Uh, Tyrion admits that he's made mistakes. Um, the I think the way he phrases it is the one that clever men make most often in underestimating their opponents. When he failed, that was he was who was he underestimating? Jamie at the time, right? Which when he uh, when they were attacking when they were on the offensive early last season, right? Yeah, yeah. Like Jamie chose to go to um, Highgarden, rather right? Then Castle Rock. <clears throat> so that, and then also Cersei. Yeah, right? he he allowed himself to believe her in yeah. the, at the Dragon Pit, um, which we all saw through right away. I'm sure, mm-hmm. but oh well, we did because they literally reveal it like two scenes later. Yeah, but but I find it also interesting that Tyrion asks about Cersei. Like, is it real? Like, pregnancy? Is it real? Like, is she was she bullshitting that too? Right? Tyrion says it's or Jamie says it's real. Right? Um, I had a lot of people asking or I saw a lot of people on Twitter talking about how she was drinking wine yep. last week. She wasn't drinking wine. I'll have to go rewatch this, but she wasn't drinking from that well, cup. Well, she certainly had a glass of wine in her hand. Right. The implication is that she drinks from it. Right. But we don't... Again, I'm sticking with my theory that she was just playing like along to to trick uh, Euron. But... Yeah. It could be the other way around, though. One of our fans, Tamara, emailed in uh, with that and saying that she's clearly not pregnant at that point. Really? That she's playing a game... Um, and then when Euron's rubbing her belly, like we got to thinking like, mm-hmm. maybe um, it's the other way around. Maybe if Euron gets her with child, she'll use that to bring Jamie back into the fold. So really? You, oh, so it's the, the other way around, it's right? It's the, uh, the triple, the triple blind. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The triple, the, she's double, she's triple stamping a double stamp. <laughs> okay. That's, that is interesting. That's, it's, it's the, uh, <clears throat> that's, you don't see that very often. And I would not, that would be a really cool reveal, by the way, like this, like, um, I guess, what would you call it? I don't know how to describe it. I like the triple blind. I like. I like calling well, it's that. the idea that um, her first three children were all Jamie's, and yeah. Robert was cuckolded, and then she would flip the switch and do that to Jamie. Mm-hmm. It'd be kind of a weird, poetic, uh, like ironic thing. Right. Just enough to kind of maybe drive him over the edge a little bit. You know? Yeah. Make him do something uh, that he might not have otherwise done. Maybe. Perhaps. Who knows? Mm. Okay. So Tyrion says that Jamie. Uh, always knew who Cersei was. I really like that line as well. And she's like, you know, Tyrion feels like he was tricked, but he knows that Jamie's never been tricked. He just was always into her craziness. You know, everyone has a crazy and matches their crazy. I've always talked about this. This <laughs> yeah, is something I've yeah. talked about all the okay, time on the show. Sure. Everyone I, knows I, how often I talk about that. Okay. Um, First time hearing it. Okay. <laughs> that everyone has a crazy that matches their crazy. That's the, when you find that person, you're you're golden. But I feel like that's really unhealthy advice. <laughs> <laughs> Don't fix your problems. Find someone that slots into your problems yeah, perfectly. Yeah. yeah. Um, so that's basically kind of what, along the lines, along the lines of what he's saying. I also really found that it really cool, but Jamie doesn't really address that. They go up to the top of the battlements. <laughs> Tyrion does like some daydreaming about like maybe you think, oh, maybe I'll come back to. To King's Landing and I'll tear Cersei apart. Huh? What do you think of that, Jamie? And, uh, and she's, he's gone. He's like, yep. he wandered off because he noticed Brienne down out on the field. Anything you want to say about this Tyrion Jamie thing again uh, before we move it on? It is some nice little banter. You know, we we were, uh, it was absent from the show for a while, the Lannister brothers and, yeah. and their very specific banter. I think when you like go look back, there's really not that many scenes of them together over the whole season series it's it's not as many as we'd like i think yeah there's a couple right at the beginning and then they're they're off on their own worldly adventures mm-hmm. right 
Um, so they are reunited again around Joffrey's wedding. Yeah. Uh, and then that's when Tyrion leaves. So th- there's not much time that they spend together. Brienne and Jamie. So Jamie was distracted by Brienne. He goes down and says, oh, you know what? I'm going to go talk to her. Right. She's the reason that I'm not, you know, <clears throat> yeah, so in he chains. Just leaves Tyrion up there. Yeah. You, you assume. Yeah. <laughs> and I remember thinking this was a missed opportunity because, you know, he sees Pod and, and Brienne there. And Pod has yeah. obviously grown and become a, an actual fighter. It's like literally grown. He's much bigger than. So, him, like, yeah. it would have been nice to have Tyrion reunite with Pod then, but they, they get to it later on in the episode. So it's yeah. Um, well, he does mention that Pod is um, coming along. Mm-hmm. Right. And, uh, they start talking strategy a little bit. Um, she's going to be commanding the left flank, um, apparently. Good ground, she says. Some good ground. He's like, mm, yes, I agree. Good ground. <laughs> um, he's like, there's a. She's like, there's a ridge up there that'll help. I always thought that if you have the low, if you're lower down and there's someone's on a ridge, they have the advantage. But I guess if they're coming to you, that's a, then you still have the advantage. How does that work? I think she meant that she would be on the ridge. No, it, no. They like pan the camera and there's a ridge. Like further away, and maybe they're going to be out on that ridge. Maybe I don't yeah. know; it's unclear. Um, and I was—I found this um, really cool in the post. Uh, you know, after you know the the behind the scenes stuff that they do after every episode of Game sure. of Thrones. Yeah, David Benioff and DB Weiss—they have their little—they they talk. We get interviews with the cast and stuff, and they're talking about how when Brienne stood up uh, for Jamie at the trial that she was experiencing emotions that she's never really experienced before that she doesn't like they use the word love. I thought that was a bit extreme, but, uh, that, that she has these feelings for Jamie and that she doesn't really know how to, uh, handle them. Right. And because Jamie comes to her here and he's pretty vulnerable, right. He comes and says like, listen, not the fighter I used to be. I came here because I know I can trust you and I would be honored to fight, you know, by your side. Right. And she like freaks out. You know, she's like, uh, I got to go, you know? Um, so it is, tr- it's obviously clear that she's struggling with some types of emotions here, you know? Yeah. I, I mean, I, I, I think love is the right term. I don't know if it's necessarily a romantic love in that sense, but, but it's definitely, um, uh, brotherly love. Well, they've, they've come so far together, uh, from the point where Jamie was despised and, you know, reviled for being a Kingslayer, a man without honor, all that kind of stuff. Then she is one of the few people in the Seven Kingdoms that actually got to know the guy and, and see, get some insight yeah. into the inner workings, into his motivations, the reasons he did the things he did. Um, so so for, to go from that initial point all the way around to respecting him and admiring him um, for his, his being a man of honor, like she says, yeah. you know, a little love comes along with that. Right? It's a part yeah. of the package. Um, so like I said, he's vulnerable. He says... Yeah, can, I'll, can I serve under you if you'll have me? This is something that you'll hear a couple times in this episode, this idea that if you'll have me, right? Mm-hmm. I find it interesting in this case, or actually both cases, there's no like direct answer. It's more of an implied answer. Um, this one, she's just avoiding him. Um, but It's also huge for Jamie, as like his character in terms of his- To admit to not take command of something. Well, yes, that 100%. Um, the the old Jamie, the first Jamie that we were introduced to would have been cynical, was the type to make fun of vows like that, right? To, right. to completely discredit that. Well, and he then, does, he just, there's a funny moment where Brienne's like, Wait, what the hell's going on here? We've never had a conversation go this long without yeah. you making fun of me. Right. This is bullshit. <laughs> so, and that's, that indicates how far he's come and how much yeah. he's changed as well because that that um, vow or, or him pledging himself to her was completely earnest. Right. right? So she that's what, another reason she didn't know how to deal with it. Right. And I think... 
you really like these moments with Jamie, specifically with Brienne, really reveal how much that um, betrayal by Cersei really affected him. You know, because he was still kind of like Johnny come funny guy. Yeah. You know, for even last, even to some degree last season, Johnny you know? come funny guy. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Everyone's heard of him. Um, but. You know, uh, the golden lion, if you will. He's, he's far from that, they say. Well, you know, we can tell because he has brown hair now. Uh, brown and gray. <laughs> yeah, right? So, um, you know, you age fast at, in uh, when you get bad news like that. Right? right. Anyway, I just, I think that stuff, everything with Jamie and Brienne, like from, from a performance standpoint, those people are just off the wall, off the charts good yep. in this episode. Just stellar stuff. Nikolai Castor Waldo and yeah, it's Waldo. <laughs> no, it's not. yeah, it is. That's how he pronounces it. Okay. Yep. And uh, Quinlan Christie. Okay. Yeah, I watched an interview with him yesterday, Daniel. All right. Okay. Sure. He's Danish. Yeah. Okay. So Jora and Danny. Jora comes to vouch for Tyrion. Uh, we kind of touched on a little bit on this already. Uh, he's also vulnerable. You know. He always has been with Danny, though, so that's it's not as um, surprising. It says that he was hurt when he learned that Tyrion was named Hand of the King, right? Queen. But Queen says, uh, but he says that Tyrion grew on him. That he's it, more so that he's gained more respect for him than so much that he likes him. You know, she's still kind of upset. She's not having it. She's like, yeah, but he's an idiot, though, right? And he's like, well, no, we're not really. Yeah, we've made mistakes. We've all made mistakes. He's like, I've made some pretty bad mistakes, right? You forgave me. And I, I, I almost had you killed, right? Right, on purpose, you know. So if you have that in your heart to do that, then maybe you have it in your heart to, to you know, uh, forgive Tyrion for the mistakes he's made. Which I also find interesting because um, that's a question that Sam posed John last week, right? Would she be able to like uh, take a step back and look right. at you know? And she has people in her life that are challenging her to do that more often, which I think, you know, if, there, if these moments weren't there, she's more inclined to react much more strongly towards the news she gets later, you know? Definitely. Uh, anything else you want to say about that? Um, it's just one of these scenes, uh, probably one of the, probably the last major, um, like, light scene between Jorah and Danny. Um, I think it, <clears throat> that that's most of this episode is, is is really conversations is catching up with these characters um it's sort of the payoff of the last eight seasons or seven seasons of all their you know various storylines coming together so they pays off with these conversations that have so much tangible like weight to them right, right? so there's there's so much history there between Jorah and Danny that a, a little conversation like this does have a lot of meaning this whole episode is payoff. This every yeah. scene is payoff. That's why everyone like people are, like I've seen reviews saying this is the best episode of Game of Thrones ever. I've seen a lot of those. Yeah. I think that might be a bit strong, but I think the reason that people are feeling that is because this is like basically fan service <clears throat> done well, right? This idea that this is what everyone's always wanted. We had this scene, we had this scene with that. We had Jorah and and uh and Danny and Jorah and Lyanna and like all every combination of characters you can possibly think of having these discussions um, that they haven't they haven't seen each other in forever, right? It's great. Everyone's it's like a love in for every all of your favorite characters, right? right? We all know why that's happening is because <laughs> next week things yeah. aren't going to be going as well. But um, so when you talk about yeah like the history between Jorah and Danny, this scene 
only works because of that. But so basically does every scene in this episode is basically like that, you know? Okay. Jorah, before he leaves, says he has one more suggestion, right? And we cut to Danny and Sansa. So I guess we can presume that he's saying, hey, go offer an olive branch to Sansa, you know? And be the bigger person. Yeah. Someone's got to do it. Even make a bigger person joke later in that scene. Uh, Sansa and Bronze John Royce are discussing strategy about when to close the gates. I think it sounds like that's what they're talking about. You know, right. When's it too soon? When's it too late? And Danny enters and asks to speak with her alone. I, I just Bronze John Royce always leaves the scene in such a cool way. He always just gives these little snide little looks. And like just he's, the way he's, the, the he's dignified. The, yeah, the order in which he answers like people and oh, it's so good. Yeah. Um <laughs> I think not. <laughs> <laughs> um anyway, she says uh she thought that Sansa was going to back her with Jamie. And then she didn't. Um they talk about how Sansa also was defending Tyrion, right? And uh, that he's a good man. Um, which is interesting after that conversation they had last week. She might be upset with him, but she still knows that he's not a bad a bad person. Right. right. And then there's this whole part where we talked about a little bit earlier about how she like lays out the reason that she trusted Tyrion to be the hand of uh, her hand, right? Smart, uh, diplomatic, uh, ruthless when necessary, apparently. Uh, and so, you know, that's explained. Santa says that she finds families to be complicated, kind of defending Tyrion's uh, blind spot with his own family. Right. <clears throat> and Danny tells her that they have many things in common and wonders why they need to be, quote unquote, at odds with one another. Santa tells her that John loves Danny and it worries her because she thinks she's manipulating him, right? That they're, and that men which, are easily manipulated. Which fair enough. Yeah. Because she, if, if there's anything she's learned, it's about manipulating people, right? And, Danny says she doesn't. She doesn't really give a shit about the North uh, until she met him. Right? She's like she couldn't have cared less about what was going on over here um, until well, John came over. I mean, the thing is, to her, it was just part of her kingdom. Right? It was there's nothing special or, or unique about it mm-hmm. until this time. Right. And I think she I mean, she lays out a pretty good like uh, argument here, where she says, "Listen, I was my, all I've known my entire life is sitting on the Iron Throne. So I spent." All last season, basically, working towards that goal, right? And then here's this short dude that comes in and is like, hey, we got bigger fish to fry. I need your help. And if so facto, one boning on a boat later, and uh, she's up north at Winterfell defending everyone from the, the army of the dead. And it all makes sense. And they come so close to like being, reaching a, a well, point. They, they hold hands for a moment. Right. Yeah. Until until Sansa says, "What about the North?" Well, what about it, Sansa? Her exact line is, "It was taken from us, and we took it back, and we said we'd never bow to anyone else again." And they've really, you know, um, focused on how distrustful the Northerners are of the Southern armies, right. of foreigners in general. For rightly so, they seem to be constantly being fucked over by them. Yeah, <laughs> right. And I mean, she's very becomes very pointed. This is a very important issue to her, right? She feels like she's finally home and she doesn't want to give that up um, and give up that power that she's finally clawed back, right? 
and I think there might be some selfishness in there a little bit. I think she she's talking about the North as a whole, but she thinks she might be also be talking about her home and not having to give it up. Right? Yeah, absolutely. I'm there, I think there's selfishness on both sides mm-hmm. because Danny has no like real right to it other than her birthright, right? Yeah. So you know why can't it be two kingdoms? I, you know, it could be. Maybe that's what maybe that's, nice, man. maybe that's what we get at the end. We get yeah. two divide we get the north and the south and Dorne. <laughs> um but I mean I I've never even considered that. That's a possibility. I mean they ta- they teased last week this idea of maybe they get married and there's two like cool people, you know, ruling the land. Um which I guess would that answer would that like if that was the case, if Sansa was like, uh, well, if you guys get married, we're all we're all good. Like, does that work in that yeah, way? I think it would because well, because see that the the problem with it is is that now that we know uh, John's parentage, right? It it would have less impact. So he's less a Stark and more Targaryen, right? Again, we also don't know how widespread that knowledge will become. I'm still gonna live with the idea that this is gonna be kept quiet and John's going to ask her to not reveal this at a, to a, you know, a larger to the, to the people of, of Westeros as a whole, right. That it's best kept a secret. Of course, even if they tried to, that that's not going to happen. It's only going, four it's going people. know. it's going to get out. I'm telling you. Okay. <laughs> maybe, uh, maybe, maybe, I don't know. I guess how, how would, how would the North react to John being a Targaryen? Probably not. Well, I mean, but it, he's, the son of Lyanna. And Lyanna was well-liked. Right. But they also remember Rhaegar. The, like the North rose against Rhaegar. It's, it's real complicated. Yeah. Well, it was all, but all under false pretenses. Right? Everything that... All leads, all leads to this, though. Right? All happened <laughs> all for a reason. And uh, anyway, so San, Danny pulls back. She gets really icy. If I can use that term. Mm-hmm. Um, and they the quick shot of the, the close-up of their hands and she pulls her hands back. Um, how childish. <laughs> uh, and they're before, this is again, a theme of this episode before they can uh, complete the thought they're interrupted by somebody or something It happened with, uh, I guess not technically with Jamie and Brian, but cause she walks away, but she, she does it to herself. It happens here. It happens later with John and Danny. Right. Um, it, it seems to happen more than it needs to. Yeah, we talked about this on the preview on our, uh, reaction episode this idea that it's to draw out the drama because you, you can't just wrap all these things up in this episode like it needs to it needs to extend so i get it from a storytelling perspective it is frustrating though it's frustrating and there there needs to be conflict after the the war for the dawn um and is that it, what it's called yeah that's what it's called is that what it's called in the book <clears throat> well no because the books haven't made it this far right but that's just what i think it's commonly known as right now I've never heard that on the because show. Because it's the long night. They're calling it the War for the Dawn. But I've never heard that. Well, no, nobody on the show has called it. I think oh. that, that's like on our end. Oh, okay. Anyway, they're interrupted by a maester. We asked, I asked you this before. We don't know who this maester is. I don't remember. He's yeah. a minor character. I think, I feel like he came from the Vale, but I'm, I could be wrong. Hard to say. Uh, Theon arrives. This is a lovely scene. We get sad music. It swells up. And Theon bows. Danny wonders, like, yo, 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 where's your sister? And uh, he just quickly gives her, you know, a recap of the plan. She's going to go take back the Iron Islands. May never see her again. When, <laughs> um, you know, the pointed question is, well, then why are you here and not, like, with her, right? So I love this. I love this little, like, small detail. So Theon, instead of answering Danny, looks straight at Sansa 
and says, I want to fight for Winterfell if you'll have me. If you'll have me. If you'll have me. Again. Yeah. <clears throat> and then they hug. They do this like running hug thing similar to the Arya and John hug from last week. Very touching. Cried a thousand times. Yada, yada, yada. It's a great oh, moment. Yeah. Anything else you'd like to say about that? <laughs> I don't know. It's, it's one of the two Sorry, moments. you're wiping your tears away. One of the two moments <laughs> that I, I, I didn't like tear up during the episode, but that, that I felt emotional there and then for Brienne later right, on. Right. Your, your tear ducts have been uh, welded shut, I yeah, believe. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, okay. Again, I just, it's not as big scene, but Theon arriving um, and having that interaction with Sansa is important for, I think, what we're going to see later in this, uh, this season. So kind of starts here. Cut to Davos, Davos's soup kitchen. <laughs> oh, yeah, I forgot about this. Yeah. And uh, he's, he's handing out slop of some kind, some kind of mush. Bowls of brown. Yeah. And uh, this guy comes up, he's like, but I'm not a soldier. And he's like, well, neither was I, but I've survived this battle and I survived that battle. So go get your swords over there. <laughs> and he's like, oh, okay. And it seems to work inspirational enough. I don't know if it works. It's more like you have to. <laughs> you right. don't have a choice. Right. Um, I, I wonder if that's a, the reason they put that in there is because they want to emphasize how much of the Northern Army is not experienced, how many of them have been murdered in multiple different wars since, uh, since season one, basically. And we get a reference to some brothers, right? So this little girl uh, comes up and she says that she wants to help and that she um, had two brothers, and they died already, so she feels like she needs to do her part, and she wants to join the battle too. Um, important to note, which I didn't register the first time I watched it, but definitely did the second time, uh, Princess Shireen. She's got the burn on her face, this little girl does, right? right? Clearly reminds her, or reminds Davos of yeah, Princess yeah, Shireen. Yeah, a disfigured little girl. Yeah. And uh, so he's got a soft spot for that. and. Gilly comes over, the old reverse psychology move on kids. It works every time. It, it works on the kid. It doesn't work on Sam. It, it doesn't really work on Tyrion, but he's just told to go to the crypts anyways. <laughs> <laughs> right. But they use their, they're like, well, you know, we need your, you're gonna, we're going to need your help down in the crypts. We're going to need that. Yeah. So I hope that if that kid dies next week, I swear to God, Daniel, I swear to God. Do you think, do you imagine that she's not going to die? No, I hope not. I mean, I'm not saying I hope that she does. I sure think, sounds like that's what you're saying. I think... Sure sounds like you're hoping I'm just she hedging, dies. hedging my bets. Everyone, right take note. Dan, wishing for small children <laughs> to die at the hands of undead armies. Right? Let the record show. Um, but again, this, this reference, the, kind of what's important here is this reference to the crypts will be safe. Right? Yeah, they're really hammering that home. So I'm really thinking like, okay, how, what happens? How are the crypts as a... Um, safe house compromised is it because he raises the dead from the already dead people in the crypts is there we already know that there is secret passages into them maybe they use those to get in how do you know what are you what, what are you thinking yeah no I, I definitely think that it's it's walkers and whites getting into winterfell and not the night king or any white walker raising the dead starks this is a common refrain by the way if you if you're on the the twitter machines you see this often. We had someone in our Slack group, uh, which you can join by becoming a Patreon supporter of ours, uh, asking if we'll see a headless Ned, like holding his head <laughs> with this, as a skeleton, like chasing Arya. And I just said, I just, first of all, it, that looks, that's silly and goofy. 
I think and that I think, was deliberate. And I think it would, yeah, and I'm just, but this is a thing that I've been seeing online too yeah. and that people are serious about and that um, it doesn't have any resonance because it's just a skeleton, right? You're not going to see Sean Bean in full Sean Beaniness, you know, trying to kill Arya. Yeah. yeah, so the thing is, yeah, if they're a skeleton, um, they're undead, it has no weight to it. It's very similar to my my issue with the Clegane Bowl, how the mountain is a zombie at this point. It, it loses the emotional uh, side of things. It's, it's true. It does still have a little party. bit. It still has a little bit of it. So in this right. case, it would if if um, honestly, if they weren't skeletons and they still had faces, especially Ned, or if, if we had a Rob down there, yeah, that would make a big difference. Um, but even then, it's just in terms of that being his power, it doesn't make a lot of sense to me. I, we we were jokingly having this argument before we recorded yesterday, but like. There's dead people everywhere. People die. <laughs> if that were the case, like, he could you know, just, there's a thousand dead people under this house right yeah, now. He, there's not a thousand people just, under, Julian, people under this you, house right do, now. Do you know how old the earth is? There's a thousand dead people under this house right there's now. No, there's no way. You're arguing that there's every part of the world is covered, <laughs> <laughs> has had some person die on it at That's one point in time. Probably close. But that, either way, it's not the point. If, if that were the case, the, the Night King could just like walk around and just raise people out of the ground. We don't know if that's not the case, though. We don't know really right i know and you were also arguing that there wasn't skeletons when there clearly was skeletons it also doesn't make sense for there to be skeletons in my <laughs> it's mind it's magic daniel i don't know what's holding them together magic yeah yeah dumb <laughs> yeah okay i want a virus of some kind some type of ex- explanation from a scientific perspective that explains why these uh, these like, creatures kind of can, like i mean yeah. i know it's fantasy so it, like there you don't have to get into any sort of scientific explanation no, I know they will they, but like they will in they. my mind they need to have a brain in order to be risen nope wrong again it just doesn't make i don't know whatever let's move on okay because i will never stop arguing <laughs> just know that. that you're wrong and then you're fine um okay we cut to the courtyard, and um, I really like this because we're already in technically in the courtyard. This is something I kind of referenced last week in this, uh, the idea that they're doing these kind of uh, pans from one storyline or from one scene to another inside the same yeah, physical so location because they're in Winterfell, right? Everyone's just inside Winterfell. I also watched the behind the scenes for this episode, and they talk about how they had to, because they're going to be spending so much time this season at Winterfell, they needed to expand the set that they were using. So they had to build it out, make it bigger, more locations. Um, and let the, and they built it out in, like entirely, fully, built, built a fake castle, basically. And that allowed them to do these types of shots where they can do like long, continuous shots from, from like maybe potentially all the way up to the, from the crypts all the way up to uh, the battlements. Like right. we haven't seen that yet, but they, those are the poss- they have those kind of possibilities because the set's fully built out. Um, so they have this big, massive courtyard. They're able to do these pans from Davos's story, kind of tilt tilt the camera a little bit. Um, pan technically tilt is up and down. Yeah. To we know riders are approaching. By the way, is this something? I don't recall this, but was Winterfell using horns in the same way that the Night's Watch was using horns? Everybody uses horns okay. all the time. Okay. It just it's so clearly like exactly the same sound as the night uh, the Castle Black. Um, and you think I'd be even at uh, the fist of the first men here, the three like horn blasts. Yeah. It's the same idea. You get the first one riders approaching, right? We don't get the two because there's no wildlings anymore, but we do get the three horn blasts later in this episode. Right. Which I still love. I just, and that's something that they obviously adopted from the night's watch. That wasn't yeah. like a thing because most houses would never have to right. deal with wildlings. They'd be like, what does three mean? <laughs> three riders approaching? But no, like, but horns are, are just generally used. Widely used right. by everybody. I just don't recall that being a big part of 
like they're using it as a storytelling device in this season, which I don't, I don't feel like they were doing that before, but maybe I could be wrong. It's been a while since I, yeah, we just did our season two rewatch. Remember that episode where Theon is going crazy because of the hornblower? Well, yeah, different though. (laughs) Different, different. Okay. So anyway, pan the courtyard transition, yada, yada, horn blows. Everyone's rushing over because riders are approaching. John sees Ed from afar, right? And he rushes over to see him, but is jumped by Tormund. Very funny scene. There's a lot of funny stuff in this episode. Well, especially around Tormund. But yeah, they're they're really um, making an effort to keep this episode light and airy and fun. And I remember, like, my big takeaway is like that. It was like a joyful episode. Oh, it was very. I just big smiles across. Start to finish. Spent a good chunk of it laughing and just Mm -hmm. like purely enjoying the episode because next week it's going to be the other other side of the coin. My heart's just be racing the whole time, beating a thousand miles per hour. Uh, so anyway, he gets jumped by Tormund and he even says, oh, I thought we lost you. Glad that you're back. <laughs> and then then he finally gets to give Ed a big hug. They quickly recap how they all got there. We saw it last week. And he says, you know, we had to ride around them to get back here. And he's like, well, how much time do we have? Right. Before the sun comes. What does he say? Before the sun rises tomorrow? Something like that. Something along those lines. Yeah. yeah. Um, <clears throat> then we cut to strategy shit sesh because um, the war council, basically. and. I really like the way it starts. It is a little cheesy. So it's a montage of like people preparing, like people hitting stuff with hammers and like building stuff. Setting up the spikes. Right. And we're getting that that line from the trailer again. John's like, you know, they do not tire, right? They will not stop, you know, that kind of thing. Yep. It's very cool. But then you get this voiceover kind of like sound to it. And then you cut to him talking in the room and it, it kind of loses that booming kind of part of it. And it kind of loses its... um gravitas a little bit but other than that it's entertaining and he thinks their best chance basically from a strategy session perspective is their best chance is to kill the night king because if they can kill the night king they can just it's it kind of like uh vampires right yeah you kill dracula and he kills all his sires everything that he that sired he, yes yeah so <laughs> yes they if you kill the the top of the pyramid the rest of the pyramid just crumbles which is a, it's a theory at this point, right? There's no way to know that. I think, that. no, didn't we? See, no, no, no. No, no, it happened once in yeah. season seven that they killed a white walker and then all the whites around, except for the one that they needed, fell down and died. Right. Um. So that was just happenstance. So the the assumption is the Night King at some point would have turned them all. I don't know what that does to the other white walkers, though. Well, presumably he created those two. I guess. I don't right? know if the same rules apply. Like, he, they're all babies that he touched or something like that. Hard to say. Um. I I don't, I don't know. It seems like, okay, again, in the, in the post episode, they talked about this scene and they said that it was important. They found, thought it was important, the showrunners did, that they kind of outline the, the goal and the strategy of, the, of next week's episode so that there was a driving through line through it. It's not just chaos. You understand like what people are trying to accomplish um, in the actual battle itself next week, right? right? So everyone's going to be trying to hold back the armies. Well, they uh, bait the Night King into kind of kill Bran and then kill the Night King and then defeat the army. That's the plan, right? Obviously, things aren't going to go as smoothly as that, but I think we can all probably assume that that's likely going to be how it plays out. They're not going to kill all 100,000 or whatever is. Yeah, no, because they're so severely outnumbered, it wouldn't make sense. Yeah. There's no uh, Deus Ex Machina saving them this time, I don't think. There's no golden eagles flying in to, to fly them out of that volcano. Who's going to clean up all those bodies after they kill the Night King? Like they all just collapse outside. They're going to de- decompose. 
They're going to burn them, probably. That would be the smart thing to do. <laughs> right? I guess he had dragons, but it's unclear whether the dragons are going to survive. It, and they also, I really like that they ask, like, so, you know, does dragon fire, is that going to, like, stop them? Like, I don't know. <laughs> like, we've never tried before. Although they did technically try before with the whole lake setting last year. I think season. it was more so about the White Walkers than the Whites. Right. Probably, though, right? You'd assume. Yeah. Okay, so what else do we learn? Um, Bran says that the Night King is going to come for him because he's like a human encyclopedia of Westeros and that the Night King is angry at everything. So he wants to erase all of history, basically. Right. And he embodies the... So Night King embodies death. He embodies uh, not life so much as just knowledge, you know? Uh, it's memory, uh, existence. Yeah. Sam has a really good speech about forgetting and that death is about forgetting. Um, and Bran reveals the mark that he has on his arm. Everyone's like, yep, yeah, cool. That makes sense. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they said they won't leave him alone, but Theon chimes in and says that he'll stay there with the with the Ironborn. How many of there of them are there? Uh, probably not a lot. But it, like he had the crew of one boat essentially, right? Um, and he'll stay there to protect him, right? Not a lot of people necessarily, like we talked about, good fighters, but it's more about the idea that Theon, who, as he says, <clears throat> took the castle from him. Yeah, it's a symbolic gesture, yeah. um, and, and I think that it's by design that you don't have too many people around him because otherwise the Night King wouldn't necessarily go right after him. Mm -hmm. He needs to seem vulnerable. Yeah, they talk about that. We need to stay close, but not too close. Yeah, right. And that's the extent of the planning that they do. By the way, they're like, okay, we can all get, we can all get some rest. <laughs> I guess you know we came in in the middle of the scene. There are there are pieces set up, so they yeah. maybe already figured out the siege lines or whatever. Not the siege lines, the battle lines. Yeah. Um. Because yeah, they're under siege, but like the. Uh, it's it's actually kind of funny. They have like their little like battalions set up outside the castle and on their map, and they have just like a thousand pieces of, of white pieces just <laughs> along the edge of the yeah. map. And probably uh, didn't need those, right? Yeah, like we could because just like one big one or a couple, like, a couple. Like, let's just use our imagination. <laughs> yeah, the, the bad guys are over here. <laughs> yeah. Eh, you know, whatever it, it it works. Um, Tyrion is sent to the crypt, like you mentioned earlier. Uh, by Danny. So this is interesting because it's see you see Danny kind of soften on Tyrion here that she's like concerned for him. Uh, that you know, there's it's kind of a weird way she does it. It's like, don't worry, there's a thousand of them, but there's only one of you, and you're the only one that's important. So you should go to, you should go down <laughs> yeah, in the, the crypts. And all the They're other like, advisors uh, are like, wait a minute. Wait a minute, wait a minute. We're the we're the others other people, you know. Uh okay. Davos uh mentions the dragons. Yeah, we said that already. Um Tormund has a nice line, like, we're you know, we're all gonna die, but at least we're gonna die together. And he though he's saying it to Brienne, it's still a nice kind of uh message. Uh and then John John again, great, just gives Danny the cold shoulder, just takes off. <laughs> all right, cool. We've uh let's everyone get some rest and uh we ever, all everything that's important to talk about has been discussed. <laughs> Nothing else needs to be covered. We will all see you all in the morning. Okay, bye. And obviously that's not the case because he hasn't told her yet. Um, but we will take, uh, I guess we should quickly mention Tyrion asked Bran about his like whole journey and story. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We don't obviously see him explain it, but he's like, if only we were trapped in a castle with nowhere to go. Yeah, I, that's a conversation I would have liked a bit more of actually. I, th I think it's really interesting because I presumably he tells him, right? Yeah. Tyrion has so much more information about this whole, like his abilities and what happened with that. I, th I think that might play a role later on, hopefully, maybe, perhaps. I just, I like 
when Tyrion has more information, it always makes makes for better storytelling. You know, it's not good when he's kept in the in the dark because he ends up making dumb mistakes all the time. Right. Uh, okay. On that note, quick break to mention our Patreon subscribers. So we had two new five dollar subscribers this week: John Manelli, 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 <laughs> uh, John Manelli, and Max Kirwak. Um, I think both longtime friends of this show. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, thank you guys, uh, much appreciated. And uh, again, if you want to help support the show, you too can be named <laughs> um, halfway through an episode. Remember, if you if you um, donate twenty dollars or more a month, you get a name drop every episode. A thank you in the credits um, to helping us produce the show. Uh, we are going to be planning some more fun twenty dollars subscriber only. Uh, events or something special for them sometime this season we'll figure something out okay just this is news to daniel but we, we do right. we do have we do have to do that so um stay tuned for that if you're one of the the few uh 20 subscribers out there um but anyway for everyone who's five dollar subscribers you get lots lots of fun stuff we mentioned at the top of the show live reaction episodes um bon- at least one uh bonus episode a month for this month it's going to be those bonus episodes those reaction episodes um because we feel like that's a that's a pretty good deal. Uh, and again, just $5 a month. So much appreciated. Thank you, John. Thank you, Max. And uh, let's get back into it. Any, unless you want to you say thanks, maybe. Uh, well, definitely thanks uh, to John <laughs> and to our favorite Kirouac. That's right. <laughs> that's right. No one else to mention. <laughs> uh, Grey Worm and Masende. Goy Worm is uh, inspecting the preparations. He's doing that a lot in this episode. He's like wandering around, like checking him. Mm, yes, everything seems to be in order here. Makes uh, sense. Walking around with his arms behind his back. <laughs> and Masende is saying hello to this little girl and they get scared and run off. Now, something we didn't discuss last se- uh, episode, but I saw it discussed online, was this idea that the Northerners might be a little racist. Because they're the only black people they've ever seen in their entire well, life. It's not just about the color of their skin. No, that, that is a factor for yeah. sure for these people. Um, and they, they've never seen people that are different from them or, yeah. or very seldom, right? Um, but it's also about the, what they represent. The fact that they are they represent Daenerys, they represent a foreign ruler right. with dragons, all this exotic weird stuff that is in their uh, perspective uh, taking over the North. Right. But again, just I feel like we'd be remiss, remiss if we didn't mention that because I think it, I think... Um, I think even in David Benioff, D.B. Weiss mentioned that as being a, a kind of a, a part of that that scene from when they're coming in and everyone's looking at them funny. Yeah, you know, oh yeah, definitely. You know. uh, anyway, um, Grey, Worm a- Grey Worm asks if she wants to grow old in um, the North slash Westeros. <clears throat> and she's like, well, not really. I kind of miss the beaches, you know, which is fair. I miss beaches. Beaches are pretty great. Uh, especially when you're Staring at snowbanks. Yeah. And Grey Worm says, you know, no worries. We can go anywhere you want. Once we've defeated all of Danny's enemies, I'm sure this will go smoothly. It won't, there will be no issues whatsoever. And she wants to go back to her home of Narth, which Nath. We, nah, Nath. Nah, Nath. N-A-A-T-H. Nath. I put an R there for some reason. <clears throat> anyway, Nath. And there's this really weird exchange of dialogue. Yeah, so this is an ex- there's two times in this episode where I'm pretty sure it, a robot wrote it. 
like they program a robot <laughs> to read a bunch of of scripts and then like shit yeah, they, they had their they had their writers room and, and they had like, they looked over and writer bought three thousands over there yeah, I, what do you contribute writer bought three thousand and then it just beep boop <laughs> beep boop yeah and it, it prints out on one of those like those old fashioned like um, dot matrix printers right. <laughs> Yeah. So aside from that, like the, the rest of the episode is great. Some some very intelligent writing, and the the other times where the where it sounds dumb, they call it out because yeah. it's deliberate. Great. This is a non sequitur. This this is her saying she. Um, I want to go back. To I want to go to Nath, and he said, and he's saying, yes, let's go, let's get out of here. Yeah. Then her immediate reaction to that is, my people are not warlike. We they they, can't protect they can't protect themselves. And what does how does a how does B fall away? How do how do you get to that point because Daniel B always follows A it just doesn't make any <laughs> sense I, I get that the, the 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 poetry of her saying my people are not warlike and they can't protect themselves to like, him but, saying my people are warlike and we will protect you I, I understand that yeah. it's just there's, there was who something who is she worried about like what is she what's the concern <clears throat> Well, I mean, she was taken by slavers, and it's pretty common for for the course. Oh, right. So it's like it's to not like we. I don't want to take you there because I'm worried your people will take advantage, or I'm worried that will lead people there to take advantage of us, or like no. it's so unclear to me. Yeah. This whole thing doesn't make any sense. I think it's more that like yes, that it's a it's a paradise. She wants to go home and live there, um, but she would be vulnerable again to being taken by corsairs and sold into slavery right. or whatever. Um, so, and I, by the way, if this is what happens in the books, if there are any unsullied left, which actually, you know, Grey Worm's going to die next episode, so it doesn't really matter. Um, but the idea of an unsullied army going and protecting the Nathi people is kind of beautiful. It's just. Wait, so is it like their version of Themyscira? No. No? There's it's, guys okay, there too. So the, the Isle of Nath, it's, it's you know, it's uh, south of, of Essos, um, near the Basilisk Isles, and it's. A paradise. The people that live there are all vegetarians. They don't. They don't go to war. They, there's butterflies all over the place. That <laughs> land. It's, this is true. Okay. So they'll go to sleep and then they'll be covered in butterflies and they're just a peaceful, serene, idyllic. I people. want to be covered in butterflies. Have you ever looked at a butterfly up close? Yeah, they're terrifying. They're kind of gross looking, right? <laughs> um, but the the fact is, because they aren't warlike at all, they're often taken and sold into slavery. Um, foreigners can't live on their island. There's diseases that. Uh, potentially from the butterflies or just the you know the the flora of the island. So a lot of people get sick and die if they try to stay there. So no one's ever taken over, no one's ever conquered them, but they are often stolen and sold into slavery. I see. I see. Okay. Anyway, just a weird line of dialogue. Yep. <laughs> There's one other that I'll mention later on. Okay. I've, if I miss it, you let me know. So we cut to John and Sam. They're standing on the battlements. And uh, hey, it's Ghost. He's standing in the background. He makes no noise. Still, still There's a funny little gif we saw, or just a meme, I think. It was like, hey, it's me, Ghost, just standing here saying hello. I'm just going to go pee in the corner. Don't worry about me. Um, something along those lines. I mean, what else yeah. is he going to do? He's a dog. Yeah. And uh, I just think it's, it's, we haven't seen Ghost in forever. It's interesting that he appears in episode two and not at all in episode one. It makes me wonder if, that he, was, if he was with Ed and that group, you know, nearby when, instead of with John, you know, cause he was off gallivanting around the seas up on the wall, you know, like, so maybe he was hanging around castle black for a while and that he came back. I, with if, that, if that were the case, they would have mentioned, it. I think he was just left at Winterfell when John went North. Okay. Um, it's not really, I don't know. There's a lot of dragons in episode one, so not yeah, enough budget for a direwolf. It's just a dog. They just, well, that's big. Yeah. Anyway, Sam is asking if he told Danny yet. You told her yet? He's like, no. And he's like, well, what are you waiting for? The big moment? You're just waiting for the perfect moment? Hmm? There's no such thing. Just tell her. And Ed shows up. John asks about Sam's family, 
asks if he wants to go with them into the crypts. Um, he gets a little defensive. He's like, well, you know, I feel like you guys keep forgetting that I'm also a badass that killed the first White Walker um, and a Then. And um, I don't even remember when that happened, to be honest. I don't even, like, I don't recall that actually happening. And then obviously Ed gets some like very funny lines. He always does, right? right. Um, about how it's, you know, if <laughs> say, Sam, the slayer of, of, uh, of White Walkers, lover of ladies, if there ever was a sign that the world was ending, you know, <laughs> <laughs> good stuff. <clears throat> And uh, they start to think about their old friends. They say, you know, you know, there's only three of us now, but there was five of us before or whatever it was. It is a nice you moment, know. actually, for them to mention Gren and Pip. Yep. They, they were really, you know, yep. the five amigos. Right. The classic saying, the five <laughs> amigos. Uh, anyway, it's just, a, it's just a nice kind of moment between the three of them. John doesn't really say much. Well, it's nice. And also, we, have, we don't really get much of the, the Night's Watch after John leaves. Um, and there is that that fraternity, that that camaraderie between them. That is, it's enjoyable to watch. Right. He does. He, as soon as Ed walks up, he's at when now our watch begins. That's their like, their thing, right? And they, like, you know, this is the battle for the dawn. This is the reason the Night's Watch exists. Right. So they're gonna so presumably once this is all over, you don't even need a Night's Watch anymore. You still got a big ass wall. I guess nothing to protect from. There's nothing end. on that end, yeah. other side. It's just all zombie bears over there. <laughs> um. Zombie bear. I forgot about that zombie bear. There was like a whole lot, bunch of zombie bears in pop culture at that short amount of time. Yeah. <laughs> um, anything else you want to say about this? Just, it, I think we're going to say this about basically every scene in this episode, but it's like, it's nice to have the gang back together. Yeah. I feel like I'm not out, out, like dissecting these scenes in the same way that I normally do, but only because. Well, there's less intrigue just, and, and yeah. nuance to them. And it's more just like, hey, remember this character that you yeah. love? Uh, yes. Meet this other character that you love. <laughs> or re-meet them yeah exactly you know? and it's like they're doing a lot of that thing which i think they're not always very good at which is doing that um saying hey this happened to me and then this happened to me and then this happened to me right which we've already seen those things um and so it's better when it's um done a little bit more smoothly uh although again no real big complaints about this episode it's, it's all very just again fan servicey um so we cut to some hall it's not the great hall i don't think it's no. just a hall uh, with a with a fireplace, and uh, Tyrion is talking with Jamie, and he says that he wishes their father was there to see them defending Winterfell, right? To see the look on their face on his face. Jamie does is a little nonplussed by this comment, right? Like, don't bring up dad. Like, what yeah. are you doing? There's still some resentment there. Yeah, there has to be. And then he's and he has it like he's like, yep, that would be pretty funny. Mm-hmm. Sure. Um, and then they reminisce about season one, episode one about how, uh, you know, he used to be a golden lion and he was a drunken whoremonger. And Jamie says that his days of the golden lion are done. But hey, there's still a chance for you to be a drunken whoremonger. So, uh, but he says, hey, you know what? Even that's, he's leaving that behind too. And then a cheers to, quote unquote, the perils of self-improvement, which, hey, I get it. Yeah, good for them. Yeah, Maturity, they've really grown up and, and come into their own. Um, I don't know. Life was simpler back then. The, show, the was. show was simpler back yeah. then. I like how he's like, Jamie's like, you know, life was simpler. Uh, or you know, I was sleeping with my sister, and you only you had one friend in the world who was sleeping with his sister, <laughs> <laughs> which is a nice little dig. Um, it is nice seeing them open, be open, not only just Cersei but Jamie with Tyrion about that whole thing you know it's it, it i feel like it must be a weight off of jamie's chest to not have to like 
pretend and to be uh, and to hide, right? Yeah, no, that's that's a good point. He's never had that opportunity before, really. Yeah. Tyrion's always known and not cared. Yeah. Uh, and I think the two of them may have had private conversations where they're just like, yeah, this is happening. But for the most part, even around Cersei, they they were always pretending. Yep. Okay, what else we got here? Um, Davos then arrives. Oh, actually, sorry, Brienne and Pod arrive first. And uh, <laughs> I love this. Tyrion offers him a glass of wine and Brienne's like, mm, I don't think you should. We got the, the battle could start any moment now. Right, you don't want to get drunk, and <laughs> during that, okay, maybe just one half glass. And she's like, okay, maybe just one half glass. And we cut to him pouring the wine, and it literally spills out over <laughs> his hand to the brim. <laughs> <laughs> and he gives Pot a nice look, and see, like yeah. that. That's a good payoff for yeah. me, like that their their relationship, yeah, like looking little, after him, a little wink. Yeah, yeah like oh, I got you, bud. Pot is so great in this episode. Like he doesn't do much other than like give a couple nods and sing, but um, amazing, amazing. Um, then Davos arrives uh, to get warm says he'd rather spend his last if he's going to wait to die he'd rather wait to die warm than cold fair then Tormund arrives and reminds Brienne it could be their last night he's like she's like yes I'm glad you're here I mean I'm glad <laughs> you are here to help us defend the wall or to defend yeah, never mind and I think honestly this scene from the moment Tormund walked in to the end of the scene we were laughing the entire time well, it just time. became like a laugh riot the yeah. whole time um <laughs> then he's like he confronts jamie he's like i hear they call you the king killer he's like oh, maybe someone calls me that yeah <laughs> and tells the story of like they call me giant's bane and he then tells why he was called giant's bane which is funny he's like it's pretty it's like self-explanatory but sure yeah you can go ahead and tells a story about how he was 10 years old murdered a giant climbed in bed with his wife and then suckled from her teeth for three months because she thought it was his, she thought it was his baby. <laughs> That's so funny. Yeah. That's just an amazing story. It's very good. Uh, and then he chugs this like horn of like goat's milk or something that he has. And I, again, from the behind the scenes video, he's literally chugging a giant. Like you even hear it too when he has yeah. to like take yeah, a yeah. breath. <laughs> glug, 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 glug. It's so good. I don't know. So cool. Yeah. I, I feel like, has Tormund always been like this? I feel like if we look back, have they retconned his character to be more goofy? Um, no, he's, well, this actually is um, much more in line with how his character is in the books. Um, he's called Tormund Tall Talker. Right. Giant Spin. He has a bunch of different names. The Mead King of Ruddy Hall. All these crazy names. Um, husband to Bears. Um, <clears throat> so in the books, he's constantly bragging, constantly talking about how big his member is. Like <laughs> part of the, the story with the bear is that the bear bites off half his dick, but he's telling this story to John and he's like, that's still twice as big as yours. <laughs> like, he, he's constantly doing that. And it's actually very endearing. It sounds vulgar, but whatever. Um, he, he's a cool character for that. I think initially in the show, he wasn't uh, played that way. He was, it was a bit more serious mm -hmm. and he's more like growly and like dark and in John's Gruff. face. Yeah. Um, so he's, he's coming to his own. Maybe he just softened a bit. He's like, Oh, these guys aren't so bad. You know? Yeah. Uh, anything else you want to say about this first part of this scene? It obviously gets better, but it's, it, it's great the entire time. Yeah. I love it. I, I like, I like, just the small moments like Davos saying, you know what? I think I will have that drink now. <laughs> the little things. Um, it is a weird combination of characters that I never really expected to mm -hmm. all be in the same room. Yep. Even Tyrion calls it out later. He's like, you know, we've all at one point or another fought the Starks. And it's like, yeah, basically that's true. And it's just a random group assortment of people who from all corners of the earth came together and they're all fighting for the same united cause. It's really cool. 
but they're all good people. So we cut to Arya and the Hound, and they're on the battlements, and Arya goes to see the Hound, who's just sitting there drinking by himself. I drink alone. Ooh, I drink alone. That would be his theme song. Yeah. Yeah, with nobody else. Um, That's my, uh, who the hell sings that? It doesn't matter. Okay. Uh, And she sits down next to him, and (laughs) then he has this really amazing line about how he, she used to never shut up, but now she's just sitting there like a mute. <laughs> I we were saying this in, again in the uh, in our reaction episode, but it was at one point Tyrion got all the best lines, and then it was Braun for a while. I think the Hound gets all the best lines now. Tyrion still, get, Tyrion still gets his fair share of great lines. Yeah, but yeah, the, the Braun and the Hound together get the the the, the sellsword humor. So know. good, <laughs> and there's and like we get another really good line later in the scene when. Um, when Beric arrives. Um, anyway, so they just sit in there, and again, this moment of, of of humor, and he's like, you're sitting there like a mute, and she just looks at him like stern, like, well, maybe I've changed, you know? Um, and I just like, I just like highlighted themes, change, <laughs> themes. Yeah. It, it's a theme of this, of this, um, of this episode, and I guess maybe this entire season is that, that all these characters have, are very different than they were evolved, changed since the original, first time we saw them, right? Arya asks why he's helping them. Like, why are you, no, why are you here? But like, why are you here? You know? Yeah. And she thinks she's always thought of him to be selfish, you know? Which is true. It, 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 there isn't really um, a motivating reason for Sandor to be there. It's not like, you know, maybe, maybe his experience going north to get the white. I think, inspired I, think him. I think it was before that. I think his experience almost dying, right? Um, <clears throat> and then being a part of that community. Um, that built that church or whatever, yeah, yeah. finding an, a, a reason to live and helping people. Yeah, and that that kind of changed his perspective. I think a little bit. I think his experience with with Arya is kind of what was the catalyst for that, right? She says like, "You've never fought for anyone but yourself." He's like, "What do you mean? I fought for you, didn't I?" Yeah, right. It's pretty poignant. I liked it, and uh, and yeah. So Beric shows up, um, says he feels bad with the last time he and Arya saw each other. Um, Barrett and Darian has the most distinct, deep voice, I think, on this show. It's just crazy how raspy and deep it is. It's unreal. Coming from, like, it's not that big of a guy. Like, yeah. yeah. Um, the, the Hound makes a joke about not wanting to hear a sermon and then says something like, you know, the Lord of Light will be very confused why he brought you back that many times for me to, to watch you get thrown over the battlements. <laughs> uh, amazing stuff. And then Arya, like, she's like, ah, I'm out of here. I don't want to spend the rest of my, the, the last time, moments of my life alive with you, quote, unquote, Miserable old shits. Fair enough. Yeah, no, it's it, that's it hit the nail on the head. I kind of want to hear this. Like, we, there's always these moments where it seems like the Hound and Beric are like left alone, but we never see those conversations. Like, what do they talk about? The good old days. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, maybe. I mean, it's clear that Beric at this point is very pious. Yeah. Anytime he is talking, he's talking about the Lord of Light. Yeah. I can't imagine that the hound and, and has he, a lot of patience uh, for that. He, yeah. You know, had a, a prolonged conversation there. Um, okay, so we then go to Arya and Gendry. Arya is practicing her bow and arrowing. Gendry shows up to give her it's archery. She's practicing her archery, her bow and arrowing. <laughs> Daniel, um, <laughs> Gendry shows up to give her the weapon that she commissioned. We get to see her play around with it. Um, 
it's nice that she gets to have a staff. This has a pointy dragon's uh, stone end. Dragon glass, yeah. Dragon glass end. Um, and breaks apart somehow. We know that from the drawing. We don't know how. We didn't see it, which is kind of disappointing. We don't see that her do that. Kind of like, wh- why wouldn't you test that out? It was a part of your drawing. You should probably make sure it works, right? And I I, I'm pretty sure from the drawing, I would have to look it up again, but it looked like it was just the head that, that nope. was detached. Mm-mm. No, no. It, it breaks apart. Okay. I'm telling you. Sure. And it's a staff, which is important because we watched her train with the staff for like three seasons. So it, we'd like to see that pay off, please. Um, so hopefully that's that's what we'll get to see. I think we will. Anyway, she then turns the conversation to what happened with uh, him and the in Melisandre, right? And he says like there was leeches involved, and I was naked, and yada yada. And then and then it gets things get weird. Then Arya's like, "Yeah, but did you sleep with anyone? Did you sleep with anyone before or after that?" It's very important that I know how many. So, well, I mean, she's curious, and she's a kid. Like that's the thing that's most disturbing about this scene. I know that like it's people are talking about it nonstop. I'm sure. Um, Obviously, Macy Williams, the actor, is is of the age of majority. Twenty two. the character in the show is not. It's it's not uncommon for for young younger girls uh, to marry or or sleep with older men in that world. All mm-hmm. that stuff is fine. Um, but the idea that they're showing as much as they did, it, it feels kind of weird because you know she's fifteen in universe, right? Right. Well, yeah. Well, I don't know if they've ever said her age in the show, but um, she's a re- she's got to be if fifteen at the most, I think. Maybe sixteen. Doesn't matter. I, you agreed with that. I, you know, I, again, I had a friend who got very excited about the prospect of the two of them getting together. Fair enough. She deserves some of her own love into sure. all that's fine. And, and I've seen a lot of people online kind of saying like, hey, if you have a problem with Arya sleeping with someone, but you don't have a problem with her murdering all those people, you know, you should recheck your values. Um Fair. Yeah. No, I don't think I'm de- more desensitized to one. <laughs> I'm more desensitized to, to murder than theoretical child pornography. Right. Also, it it's here's the thing. And I said this yesterday and I, I kind of kind of talked it to death yesterday in our recap uh, or reaction episode. But the it's not the actor what's happening that's bothering me. It's that we we knew this character since she was a kid, since she was a little girl. And I just don't. <laughs> I don't need to see it. Like it, well, it feels uncomfortable to me. I mean, okay, you know? but, but to counter that, not that I'm, you know, playing devil's advocate here. Um, when you mentioned earlier that the theme was changed, like a major theme of the the story, especially for the Stark kids, is maturity, uh, growing, growing up, up faster than they want that loss of innocence, right? Yeah. So they are all having to grow up fast. Sure. I just don't need to see. It makes. Sense. I just don't need to see it. I like again. I, we we know it's happening. It just. I was surprised by how long like the, the camera lingered or like yeah. stayed with it yeah you know? like we were talking about it before the show and we my prediction was like yeah they'll show them kiss people have been shipping it for a while this whole episode was fan service this was a probably a bit too much fan service but whatever um and then they just took it a bit further but it's hbo they like to be risque so mm-hmm. risque with a capital r um or risque with a capital k <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's good uh, anyway, Arya asks about the girls that he slept with. The number is three, by the way. If anyone wants to know how many people Gendry slept with, it's three. Three is the number. And if anyone had that on their pool, on their, uh, <laughs> <laughs> their Gendry pool. Yeah, that's right. Damn it. Crunkle, crunkle, crunkle. crunkle. <laughs> um, anyway, so she gets that moment. Really, and what she's saying is she wants to experience that before she dies. Fair. 
the thing is, I think people are taking um, the that line very literally in the sense that they think that she's going to die next episode. I don't necessarily know if that's true. We do know she's going to be in distress from the trailer. There's like, she's going to be bleeding and yeah. she's, there's going to be running. and running and scared. Right. I just don't know if she'll die. I don't know. I, I, I keep going back to that one line from the first book that I quoted a couple episodes ago. I won't do it again, but essentially um, the, the longest short of it was uh, it felt like foreshadowing to me. It was a, it was when John is giving her or before John gives her needle, but the, there's one very specific line about how Arya, I guess, isn't practicing her needlework. Um, and the line reads, uh, I'm not going to quote verbatim here, but that they'll find you once the winter uh, snows thaw, frozen to the ground with a needle still clutched in your hands. And right. to, to me, that means needle her sword, obviously, mm. and uh, the and she dies as a result of winter or read White Walkers. Right. So that's that. That's what I'm basing it off of. Also, like in terms of her arc, I don't think she's gonna have a happily ever after. Yeah, that's true. I mean, like I think that's I for me the strongest argument is like where does she go from here as a character? Is she gonna like live a similar life that Brienne did? And this is like she's like. Well, you know I think we mean? can both agree that she's not gonna like marry Gendry and and live in Storms and and just be a lady, right? Right. That's never been her character. She could marry someone. She doesn't necessarily have to be of like course. a lady in this in the classical sense. Yeah. Right. So I don't know. We'll see. I guess. Yeah. I think someone on the show is getting a happy ending. Someone. It's not gonna be the Night King. Yeah. It's not gonna be John. Um, it could be John. <laughs> well, probably not John though, right? I mean, it's hard. It's hard to say. But it's probably not. I we hope it's Masende. <laughs> um, we you know you you hope for Brienne. You hope like all these characters. Well, they hope they get to have a, a happy yeah. ending. Pot, me too, Dan. Me too. With that singing voice. It's so beautiful. Um, okay. Anything else you want to mention about Arya and Gendry? No, they just. They, I guess they already got their happy ending. But um, <laughs> nice. That was, that was stupid. I'm, I'm, I'm already ashamed of nice. that. <laughs> okay. Uh, I'm distracted. I don't even know what I'm, what was I talking about? Oh, back to the hall with the fireplace. The whole group is quiet. They're all sitting quietly, contemplating their imminent deaths, obviously. And uh, Tyrion kind of chimes in um, that uh, they were all fighting the Starks at one way, you know, at some point or another. We kind of talked about that already. Um, they assume they're all going to die. But Tyrion's like, you know what? I think we're gonna live i predict <laughs> we're gonna live and then he starts listing out uh all the times that they've survived specific battles we get a call out to the battle of the bastards not like the for the second time this episode we get um the black water the black water we get the whispering wood i like i really like that when he's like famous famed hero of um what does he say about jamie who's famed hero oh, of the uh siege of pike right and then famed loser at the Battle of Whispering Wood. Um, and, you know, I just like that. I also mentioned that it's cool that they these are names in universe, too, that, that people use. Like, the Red Wedding um, is, and so is, you know, get the Whispering Wood and the Battle of Blackwater and all that. Battle of Bastards, same thing. I guess you mentioned the other thing before is that the loot train battle probably doesn't have a specific yeah, name. Yeah, no, there are some that are that are in world, like the red wedding. However, no one ever uses the purple wedding in world, right. which is Joffrey's wedding where he chokes. Yeah. Right. Um, so there are some that are in world and some that aren't. Some of that that are just fans. And I imagine the loot train battle isn't really called that because it wasn't. It doesn't much really of a roll battle. off the tongue either. Really, it doesn't have that kind of that kind of classical name that you that you like for a battle. You know, right. the Battle of Whispering Wood is a very cool name for a battle. You know, so is the Siege of Pike. You know. Very cool. 
that Siege of Pike, by the way, often meant like mentioned way more than you'd think that would be mentioned, right? Yeah, no, it was huge. Well, it's it was huge for Jorah. Jorah, Jamie. He received his knighthood there. He was the second man through the gates. It's big for Thoros of Mir. Mm-hmm. He was the first man through the gates mm-hmm. after they brought them down. Um, yeah, Jamie won like a famous victory there. He was he was a commander at that point, not right. not just a soldier or a knight. <clears throat> um, and then it's huge for Theon, obviously. That, yeah, that really it's a big moment him. for him, <laughs> and for Balon and for Yara. Um, was Euron even around at that point? Um, I think Euron was not. Euron had been exiled at that point, mm. or was just out pirating. I don't remember off the top of my head. Hard to say. Um, okay. Anyway, during this whole process, it's revealed that Brienne is not a knight, and Tormund is shocked. You're not a knight. Mm-hmm. And it's, and he said, if I was a king, I would knight you 10 times over. And that's we know that's not what he's talking about. <laughs> but Jamie's like, oh, wait a minute. Light bulb goes off on it over his head. Say, like, we don't need a king to make a knight uh, a knight. Any knight can make a knight. Loophole in this whole thing. Is that why there's so many bullshit knights in, in history? Well, the idea <laughs> is a common theme in this show is that there aren't tr- as many true knights as there once were. Right. The idea is if if you were a true knight, you wouldn't just uh, bestow knighthood willy-nilly on, right. on somebody. Like and you're a knight, and you're a knight, and you're a knight. The way it's supposed to work is someone has to earn their spurs, earn their knighthood. Right. Uh, so Jorah did it by proving his valor in the battle of like the Siege of Pike. Right. That makes sense. He's knighted there. Some are squired, perhaps? Some, you'll start as a squire, and once you've earned, like Jamie was, was a squire, squire and for, earned yeah. his spurs um, fighting the Kingswood Brotherhood. Mm-hmm. Um, so like there's, there's supposed to be some sort of event. Obviously we can all agree. Brienne has earned it. Oh yeah. She, she fought a bear guys. Well, that's not, <laughs> she's earned it in other ways than that. <laughs> that's not her one defining Well, moment. she did. You're right. She did basically lose to the bear. That's, you're, you're taking the wrong, <laughs> we're, we're having two different conversations. No, I, I, I know. I'm just, I'm just being silly. Um, uh, but yeah, no, I agree with you. She did. She earned it. So Jamie gets up. And he's like, I'll prove it, which I thought was a very funny line because it's like, how does that prove anything? You can, you can just do whatever you want. Yeah, and it doesn't prove the legitimacy <laughs> yeah, it of doesn't. the claim. It just no. proves that you believe the, it. Yeah, right? exactly. Anyway, so he gets up there and he says, he, it's very cool. Like the way it's done is just so like regal and awesome. And he's like, pulls his sword out and he says, Neil, Brienne of Tarth or whatever, Lady Brienne. And, uh, She's not like she's not into it. It's like ah, I don't. I didn't want to be a knight anyway. It's fine. I just, I don't need this. Well, she, like I think you know, Brienne is someone who's definitely suffered ridicule, right? Um, for these these dreams, I think she never considered the possibility that she could be knighted. Right. It was enough for her to you know swear her service, swear her sword right. to somebody. Fuck tradition though, right? right? Um, and then like I think she's hesitant because she thinks that she's being made fun of, uh, but. You know, she again uh, going back to what I said earlier about her and Jamie and their relationship. She sees how earnest he is, yeah, and allows herself. She put she's allowing herself to be vulnerable. Holy here. shit! The Gwendolyn Christie's performance in this scene oh, yeah. is Amazing. unreal. And so I also really love Hodrick in this scene because so he's like she's like no no I don't want to, and then she looks to Pod and Pod gives this microscopic nod that is just it's just so no nod has ever been so emotionally affecting for me. But that was like, oh, fuck. That's so amazing. <laughs> and he barely moves his head, like maybe a nanometer of, of a nod. And she's like, okay, yeah, this is good. We're going, we're yeah. doing it. And then she gets up and then she kneels there and he does the, it's the classic knighting, like sword over the head on the tapping the shoulders. 
and some really cool lines from Jamie. Like I've, we've never heard, we've never seen this before. I don't think. Have we seen a knighthood? I don't think anybody's been knighted on the show, right? Like on screen, not in this way, anyway. Maybe not in such a formal fashion. Yeah. Um, and it's so cool. Apparently, this is what um, and this is what the behind the scenes thing said. But they're saying that after it was over, uh, uh, Jamie was like, or the actor um, was like. How'd it go? Did it, did it, was it good? Like I kind of blacked out, <laughs> um, which is, he's like, that's always a good sign that they, you know, they did a good job. Um, and it is, it's a really good job. And it's, and then she's a rise, sir. What does he say? How's it yeah, go? Sir, they, they, yeah, sir. Uh, sir Brienne of Tarth, knight of the seven kingdoms. And then they all start clapping and it's like, oh shit. And you get that shot of Tormund who's like just la- clapping like a, like a silly clown. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's, it's such a yeah. great moment. Um, knowing Brienne, knowing what that really means to her, the fact that it's Jamie doing it, yeah. um, the fact that she was ridiculed her entire life, and then this is she's finally earned this, and she allows herself to smile. Like you had mentioned last night, we never see her smile. Really. No, never. Um, it's just it, that that really tugs at the heartstrings. Seeing yeah. this character finally happy, finally realizing her dreams. She stands, or she's like, she's like, she's like, stand, and she looks like she's about to cry. Yeah, first of all, so she's holding back tears, and then she stands, and then Tyrion does the cheers. You know, and everyone's clapping, and then just this this goofy, like totally earnest, believable smile on her face. Yeah, right. She's dead. <laughs> you think that means she dies next episode? Absolutely, I, God damn. absolutely, it does. Her getting this knighthood and, and Jorah getting that sword are like basically death sentences, if, as far as I'm concerned. <sighs> For an episode like this, it's all I about no, no, setting listen, the stuff listen, up. I completely understand where you're coming from. I think. For her, it might be not that she dies here, maybe later on. And she's like, because you got to remember, people have to survive this to be part of whatever happens for the last I three agree episodes. with you, but I think that the, those last three episodes are going to be them in a pretty tight place. They're going to be kind of fucked. Yeah. Um, I don't know how that's going to pay. It's going to work out somehow. The thing is, she's her character is so uh, intimately intertwined with Jamie's character. Right, but it's a motive. It could be a motivating factor for. I I hate the idea of a female character being killed for a male mo- character's motivations. It's pretty. Well, it makes sense in and not circumstances and not great. But having Brienne die in front of Jamie could be a, a powerful moment for the show. You know, or the or vice versa, right? Yeah. Um, which, it's hard to say. I, this is a huge triumphant moment for her. I think you're probably right that it, that it is a death sentence be, because you're not allowed to be that you're happy. You're not allowed to get anything you want. That's right. <clears throat> but we'll see. There's only two ways in, in the world uh, that things go. You get everything you want and then you die or you don't get anything you want and then you die. That's about, that's about it, right? That's some, that's some sage wisdom. Yeah. That you, just, you just thought of that yourself? I came up with it yesterday. <laughs> um, because technically true because couldn't not be true because those are the only yeah, two those are the, only, the only two it's a binary world Dan <laughs> um, okay we cut to Jorah and Lyanna and this is so cool I love this moment too another fan favorite I think people have been hoping for this for a while um, they're arguing about what's best for their house he's basically saying no you need to go down to the crypt because you're the like you're a, a little baby yeah and- you're a, a child still and you are the like the head of the household, we need you to survive. So you can't be out on the front lines with the rest of the Mormont crew, right? And I, you know, I predicted that she was gonna that Jorah was gonna get um be asked to lead the Mormons into battle. That's obviously not what's happening here. She holds a little bit of a grudge, obviously. Um 
I kind of wish there's more of that. They don't really touch on that. She doesn't mention that he brought shame to their house or anything like that. I think the way she's talking to him might kind of suggest that. Yeah. Right. Right. Like she just basically tells him, no, this is how it's going to be. And like she looks at Sam's like, it's okay. We were done here anyway. Right. And, uh, but then they do have a nice little moment where she's like, like, well, you know, good luck. Right. And he calls her, uh, my lady. And she I, calls, I, wish, I wish you well, cousin. Cousin. Right. Yeah. How, so how is he exactly? Like, I know he's but like in what, who, how does that work exactly? So she is, I guess, I think she's technically his niece, not his cousin. I don't remember how it works though. It's like one of those like second cousin sort of situations. Oh, okay. Um, Ask me anything about the Targaryens. I'll know how they're The Mormons though are way more interesting. <laughs> I don't know the, the, the Mormont family tree off by heart. What's their, what's the, what's their words? Uh, their sigil is a bear yep. on a green field, I believe, and their okay. words are "Here we stand." Interesting. Yep, that's where you stand <laughs> on that island. Okay, uh, and then Sam comes up and has this emotional moment where he gives. Uh, what's the name of the sword? Of um, oh, Ty- the yeah, yeah, right, Heartsbane. Heart- is it Heartsbane? Yeah. Okay. Where he gives Heartsbane to Jorah. He says, like, listen. I just remembered the Mormont's words and I forgot that goddamn sword. <laughs> There's only so many rooms in this room. <laughs> you knocked one thing out. Yeah. Um, okay. So Sam has this emotional moment where he's saying, like, hey, your dad, talking about Jorah's father, Lord Commander of the, of the Night's Watch, taught him to be a man, is what he says. And he owes him so much for that. And he wants to repay that favor by giving him this sword because he can't wield it in the way that it needs to be, right? He doesn't really mention it, but like, hey, you know, your family sword wasn't given to you, it was given away to John, right? And they they do talk about that. I think is there's a brief there's a brief moment of that I think last season. Yeah, John offers uh, the sword back to Jorah while they north of the wall. Right. Because it was it was his birthright and Jorah refuses. He says, "No, I shaved my house. I gave this up a long time ago." Yeah. He gave it to the right man. You see something about like it looks better with a wolf or something like that? Yeah, I think that there's like yeah. an offhand comment at the yeah. end. Um Anyway, so he gets an, a new uh, Valyrian steel sword, right? These, these swords just pass around families like willy-nilly. Jeez. Um, and, and you think that means he's going to die? Yeah. Huh. He had some closure there. He says he'll wield it for in his honor or whatever. Right. Yeah. Death sentence. Okay. I think that's one that we, we had all already predicted, that Jorah would have to die and potentially become a White Walker, for, and it would be really heartbreaking for Danny. Yeah. That that sequence of events. Um, it's so hard to predict next episode. <laughs> well, we know that it's going to be so monumental. Cur- yeah. There's going to be, it's going to be tragic. We're going to lose a lot of these people. We were talking before the, the show started. Um, our death pool <laughs> still hasn't been it's, touched. It's, yeah, I know. You know. Worst death pool ever. Um, but the thing is, it's Bloodbath next yeah, week. Yeah, exactly. Next week, we're going to lose a bunch. Question for you. I know the way that Hard Home played out was they fought, they fought, they fought. A bunch of the whites were, were just like were killed, right? And then when they're leaving on the boats, he then brings them all back, right? Right. Is this going to play out where like the same way or is he going to be bringing them back like the whole time? Just be doing this the whole, like just <laughs> like doing, sure, like doing shoulder, a shoulder workout, you know? But he yeah. might be too busy. Like he's gonna be on the. He's gonna be on the. But it's not just the what. Right. The, he can, the, the others can do it too. Any of them, as long as they're. I presumably as long as they're the ones that kill him, uh, or kill someone, they can bring them back. 
I guess. Because that that's the thing, right? They're all, they're clearly tied to one specific white walker. Right. Which is the only reason that that one white was able exactly. to survive last season. Which is why like their their theory is that because he created the others that it's like a the chain reaction. Yeah. Will, yeah. Which is likely to be true. Otherwise, they wouldn't have probably talked about it. <laughs> um, okay. Just, Sam, this like... Um, he says, I'll see you when it's... When it, okay, so another part of that, my prediction of him dying. So Sam says, I'll see you when it's through. So usually that's not a good sign either. Yep. Um, I'll see you on the other side. They never see each other on the other side. Or they're very much dying when that happens. Right. And then <laughs> fucking Sam. I hope we win. That's the other line. That's the other <laughs> robot line. <laughs> Just out of EJ. <laughs> for no reason. Like, obviously for reason. Yeah, it's like... Yeah. No shit, Sam. And Jorah's like, me too. I, <laughs> like, I think I, I think we all do. <laughs> Did you wait? Were you not sold on that until now? Were you kind of hoping we would lose until now? Like, what are you talking it's about? It's another one. It just it feels out of place. It, it it's didn't it's, need to be there. Like, yeah. it doesn't. It just doesn't need to be there at all. Okay, back to the fire hall, and uh, people are people are getting tired and sleepy. And Tyrion's like, hey, you know what we need? We need we need some tunes, right? And uh, he's like, anyone know a song? Anybody? No one's like, and he's like, ew, ew, not me, right? It's like, would anyone like to read this passage from this book? Yeah. <laughs> nope, no, no one, eh? Okay. Uh, and Pod, not unprompted, begins to sing a new original song. So they are again in the in the uh, after After Thrones, <laughs> whatever the heck it's called, that comes up on YouTube after the episode is basically saying, you know, we hadn't done an original song in a long time. We felt like now was the right time. So they had this song written. He said that there is one verse of it was written in the books and they extrapolated off of that. Yeah. And they wrote this. Um, and so he starts to sing. And then we get this little montage of brief clips of Theon and Sansa sitting together, um, kind of like just hanging out together, eating yeah. soup or whatever. Uh, Arya lying next to Gendry, very Batman-like. Um, and Grey Worm and Masende kissing and then him, him heading off. And then Jorah on a horse for some reason, like very urgently. It looked like it seemed out of like place. He's like, why are you, what's the rush? Right? Because there's yeah, yeah. no, nothing in behind that. The horn had yeah. been blown yet. Exactly. Um, so those, all those are fine. I guess we just kind of circle back to the Theon and Sansa thing. We talked about this in a reaction episode, but um, you, you're curious if the show is shipping Theon and Sansa. I'm curious. I don't think it's called shipping when the show does it. I think that's only when fans do it, but I know what you mean. Um, <clears throat> I. I don't know if that's necessarily where I see their characters going. Um, I again, Theon's probably going to die this season. I think Sam, Sansa makes it, um, but I have found myself within this episode, like very surprisingly, I'm super invested in Theon's redemption arc. Um, even though he has already basically redeemed himself, there's there's still that extra last step. He's going to die, sacrifice himself, probably to save Bran, right, or to save Sansa. Something along those lines. But I'm really invested in Theon as a character, which I wasn't suspecting. Well, we did rewatch season two. Yeah. And that's like all about Theon and that arc. It really makes that this stuff with Theon much more satisfying. Again, I'll reiterate. Season two, the perfect pre-season eight rewatch. <laughs> yeah, turns out. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I've seen people, different people talking about it. Um, and, you know, some of the theories are that they're not so, so much necessarily like a romantic love, but this, this connect, shared connection of this traumatic events that they Very both have to, to, have to go uh, through to uh jamie and brienne right yeah um i think you know people might be getting a, a little ahead of themselves because 
that you're it's natural to assume that because it feels like most stories we know will end that way. Uh, it's been made abundant and clear that this is not going to be uh, how Thrones ends. It's not going to be, um, you know, Sansa and, and Theon uh, live happily ever after. John and Danny live happily right. ever after. Arya and Gendry and live happily ever after. their kids visit each other and have playdates. You know, and yeah. Yeah, they all grow up and go to Hogwarts. Right? Like, <laughs> it's not going to be that. <laughs> so... Uh, I, I, I wouldn't um, I think you're, you're doing yourself and the show a disservice if you assume that, that that that's going to happen right you know what you say when you assume right I don't you make an ass out of oh, you and me yeah. yeah okay cool yeah uh, okay the Crips this is what we've been waiting for people this is the moment we've been waiting for so uh, before we get into it you know obviously we're talking about how uh, John reveals this big secret that uh, he learned last episode to Danny we talked about how that that reveal last week with Sam maybe wasn't as weighty as we necessarily wanted, but it was due to the fact that this is information we already had, right? And we weren't learning that for the first time, right? This has a bit more weight to it because we're more invested in how she'll react than we are in how John will react, right? I think we all had a pretty good understanding of what, how John would react right. to that news. Um, so... And also, it's like, it's a touchy subject. You know, it's one thing for Sam, your best friend to tell you, like, this big secret. It's another thing for, like, this bombshell to be dropped that literally rearranges everything that you know about the person, right? And her whole life, her entire yeah. life, she thought she was the heir to the Iron Throne, and now she's being told that's not the case. Right. That's not something, that's something you need to process. Yeah. So, Danny arrives to find John in front of Leanna's tomb. And she's like, oh, who's that? And she's like, you know, funny you should ask. And so he tells her that she's, uh, you know, who it was. It's like Lana Stark. And she's like, you know, I always thought my brother was a nice guy, but can you believe this? He raped her. What a jerk. Right. And she's like, you know, he wasn't actually a jerk. He was actually a nice guy. And uh, goes on this whole thing where he's he like, tells their story in the third person, which I thought was interesting. Um, just a, it, he's like, and then she starts putting the pieces together. And then I think she, when he says to be raised as a bastard at Winterfell, she's like, oh, shit. <laughs> uh, you can see it on her face. It's right. like, it's, again, also pretty good um, performance there. And uh, she just looks distraught, you know, and he, he's, she says, he finally says his name. You know, my name is Aegon Targaryen. And she's like, she like recoils with like sharply. Understandably. You know? Yeah. Um, She's like, well, where the hell did you learn this? And he's like, well, Bran saw it. And she's like, he saw it. Yeah, he saw it. And Sam confirmed it, he said. And she's understandably skeptical, right? And he says he knows it to be true, right? That's his like, his, like strong argument here. He's like, Danny, it's true. I know it's true, right? But she's like, yeah, but unreliable narrator here. You've got Definitely. your best friend and your brother telling you this information that can can change the world like it's a but see you know. what's interesting though is like i think she's doing it from a selfish place because she's not say uh you know it's not about what that means for their relationship it's not about uh what that means for him it's about oh now you have a claim right. to the throne her first thing out of her mouth was if it's true that makes you the last male heir to the house targaryen and gives you a claim very specific choice of words right a, a claim, claim. Not, to the Iron not the rightful claim. Right. It, not, it makes you heir. It gives you a claim. The implication being that she also would have a claim. Right. Um, and just like this episode has been doing to us all episode, uh, the horn blast, and we don't get a conclusion to this um, 
conversation? How does this end? You know, I was, I was expecting him to say like something along the lines of like, no, I don't want it. I don't, you know, I don't want the throne. Like that's not anything I care to have or need. Right. That might soften this kind of, um, uh, rocky road that they have now, uh, in front of them, but we don't get that. And they just, they walk up to the battlements, Tyrion standing out, looking out over the battlements. Nothing is said. They just give each other a nod. It's time. And they presumably head off to, to grab the dragons, I guess. I don't, I, yeah, I mean, they go to take their places for the battle. Daenerys is definitely going to be riding a dragon. Yeah. I think John will eventually. I don't know if that's their plan initially. I think it'd be like a cool scene where he like swoops down and he like grabs him and like. I, I think it'll be something like that. Like he, So he's ridden a dragon once that we yeah. know of. Maybe it's happened off camera. No, it probably hasn't because he got the news and he's been avoiding her ever since, right? So yeah. he's ridden a dragon once. Um, it'll be one of those things where he's, he, they're in a, you know, a dire situation and he feels the need to do it. Yeah. Um, but it, yeah, he won't start on Rhaegal's back. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's like a chase scene between the two dragons. That'd be pretty cool. I don't, yeah, something like that. Or, or I don't know if maybe Balerion goes down and he has to get on Rhaegal, but that doesn't, that's not as nice. I don't think yeah, that's not no. as uh, circular. Um, anyway, so we get this shot, this like the camera pulls off of Tyrion's face. He's uh, looks, he's supposed to look scared, I guess. It doesn't really come off that way and pulls back. And then we get this shot of the, from the trailer of the horse, the undead horse arriving with the white walkers on top. I counted on that just in that shot alone. There's seven of them. Um, but if you look and like, it just, there's the army just like stretches on forever yeah. off the horizon. So it's unclear how many actual white walkers there are. There's a bunch though. It's more than seven. I guess like how many were around that, like those, that stone structure in that one episode where we found out how they're made with the baby. I think there were 13 specifically in that one. Okay. Uh, they were more at hard home. Was there more at hard home? I there don't were, think there, there was. There were definitely more at the fist of the first men. I don't think there was. I think there might be just 13. It's possible that there's just 13 and less now that because oh, some have been some killed. Some have been killed. Yeah. There's a lot. Well, I guess we'll find out. Maybe we'll know next week. Yeah. Uh, no sign of the actual Night King though. We don't see the, we don't see the dragon. We don't see him. Uh, and cut back to, uh, cut to black as uh, the song that Pod was singing is played over the credits. Jenny of Old Stones. Jenny of Old Stones performed by Florence and the Machine. Right. So uh, there's actually a Game of Thrones season eight like soundtrack that has a bunch of these songs on it by these famous bands. That's pretty cool. Okay, thoughts on this on these final moments? Uh, Loved, I mean, I, I honestly really enjoyed this episode. Aside for the, the, the two robotic uh, lines, um, I thought it was great. It was it was very fan servicey, like we said. Um, a, a lot of fun. This is really like the, the the deep breath before the plunge. To to quote from Lord of the Rings, this is the calm before the storm sort of thing. No quoting from Lord of the Rings on this show. I already Daniel. did. Too late. That was a Gandalf quote. <laughs> <laughs> cool. It is the deep breath before the plunge. Okay. The, the board is set. The pieces yeah, okay, are moving. Again, no, no, we, we, could, we get it. Um, all right. I also really like this episode. I, again, we talk, but I'm, for all the reasons that are obvious, it's it's fan servicey. It feels good. It's it's just, it's a laugh riot at some points. It's these it's all these characters interacting in a way that we really been wanting to for years and years and years. All for it to all crumbling fall crumbling next week, presumably, for many of them. Yes. Um. I'm still just most intrigued by this the Danny John uh, drama right now. I like we obviously know that there this battle with the white uh, the undead is going to end next episode. Presumably, both of them will still be alive. How does that? What happens going forward? I don't know if we should make that assumption. Actually, 
You don't think that both of them will still be alive? I, like, if, if you want to talk about prophecy and the idea of history repeating itself, um, the original Azora High brought an end to the Long Night by um, forging the sword, Lightbringer, um, and had the steel had to be tempered by killing their lover. So either, I mean, that could be a parable, right? It doesn't have to be li- like you know definitely one hundred percent true. So it doesn't mean that John has to kill Danny. It could mean that the dragons die. I, I, I like to think that Danny has to sacrifice the dragons. That might be a way to do it, um, or, or Danny sacrifices John one way or the other. Um, it's really hard to say, but this is such a big deal for these for this season. Um, I don't think that both of them are necessarily safe. Right. Okay. I mean, that's fair. Nothing is certain yes. at this point. My favorite scene is the nighting scene. Obviously. Yeah, it's got to be. Yeah. Everything that happens in that room, but that scene specifically. Yeah. You mentioned the performances. They're phenomenal. Um, and that just really, as much as the Sansa and Theon scene did also tug at the heartstrings, that one really got to me. I, was, I felt real. That got you. That was, that's the one that did it for like, you? Me like too. For Brienne, my heart was brimming, man. Like, it was good. It's brimming. Nah, don't do doesn't that. work well. Don't do that. It's fine. Okay, so um, that's this episode, uh, season eight, episode two, and we're all fans of it. I think most people are. I'm just gonna quickly, if you're not interested in, if you haven't seen the trailer, I know we've mentioned it a couple of times, but only in reference to things that have already happened on the show since the trailers come out. Um, I was curious at the end of this episode to see how many scenes from the season eight teaser trailer were left. That they were unrevealed in the show because most of them came in season one or episode one. Yeah. The rest came in episode two. There's only a handful of scenes that are left. So if you don't want to see hear that, you can skip forward and end now. I won't really be talking about much else after this. Um, okay. The first one is the very first shot of the trailer, which is Arya against a wall, like breathing heavily, right. uh, blood down her face. Presumably, again, next episode. I think that basically. From what I can tell, there is nothing, maybe except for one shot of Cersei in the throne room alone um, with, her wine with her wine glass and the little smirk that she gives. That possibly could be from post episode three, but everything else is episode three. So I think it'll certainly be, right? Because yeah. all the next episodes at Winterfell. Well, maybe may a quick scene of her finding out we'll that see. they're attacking the. Uh, and then choosing not to go help her or something. Yeah. Like yeah. Um, are you freaking out running through the Winterfell, right? And she's a. <laughs> You know? Yep. And uh, shots of people in the crypt. You get a really brief shot of Varys. He didn't say a single word this episode, by or the way. Last, or last. Yeah. Weird. I'm, maybe it's a budgetary thing. Like, he doesn't say a line. They don't have to pay him as much. I don't know. Uh, anyway, shot of the people in the, in a quick shot of people in the crypt. Uh, brief shot of Jamie um, in, like, lit by fire, essentially. Like, orangey hues. Right. Again, presumably next week. And then also Arya, same thing. What I find interesting about that is that she obviously makes it out of or leaves from there into Winterfell. So she's both out on the field and inside the castle. And then, yeah, the Cersei in the throne room, that's it. That is it. It's like the major scenes are are the more nondescript, just like action scenes. And they're from next week's episode. There's just something happening. Obviously, fires are burning. We they mentioned in this episode that uh, there's a signal for them to light the ditch. So they have right. a, a makeshift sort of moat with spikes. Um, you presume a bunch of oil and pitch that that mm-hmm. are lining the the ditch, and they're gonna yeah. Who it. makes there's a comment about someone like I think they can figure out how to light it on their own. Doesn't Danny it's, say it's that? It's when they're having their war council because yeah. uh, Tyrion says that I think him and Davos would give the signal, and Danny says I think Davos can handle the signal. <laughs> yeah, you go down to the crypt. right. Okay, right, 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 right. Um. Yeah, I'm just I'm just kind of shocked. That's just, I'm very I'm very surprised that that's 
the case that we that I love it. They held all content for the first. That's three the episodes. way to do it. That's the way you got to do it. Yeah. Uh, and like you said, they 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 um withheld the the length of this episode initially as well. Yeah. Right? So we're getting an eighty minute episode. The original reveal for episode lengths had this at a fifty minute episode. So uh, or sorry, like a fifty eight minute episode. Yeah. But. Yeah, then, then like last week, they're like, yeah, by the way, surprise, surprise, next week is 80 minutes, like the longest uh, to date episode that we'll get. They'll obviously be matched or exceeded later in the season, but it's insane. Yeah. It's going to be, it's going to be, it's the biggest, you're talking about it's the biggest battle ever put to screen. I can't wait to see that. I mean, like from an emotional standpoint, there's going to be a lot going on. There's going to be a lot to handle, but then from a, just a pure like uh, spectacle standpoint or like the logistical standpoint like how do they do it and like how do they make it look on camera like the some of the, the shots then this is Miguel Sapochnik who's gonna be directing it who did Battle of the Bastards as well and Hard Home um, the way that he directs action is really amazing and like you think of like some of these very distinct shots from Hard Home is also from Battle of Bastards when John is standing there facing all those horses coming at him yeah iconic like, iconic stuff and I, I, I have to imagine there'll be something along those lines in this episode so can't wait all right, that'll uh, that'll about do it for us this week, pushing two hours again. So, whoops, yeah, I think that's going to be par for the course, especially with these episodes being longer going forward. Yeah, so only yeah. so much, so much we can do. We, we have to talk about every <laughs> single scene. It's it's out of our hands, Dan. It's yeah. out of our hands. Okay, follow us on Twitter at Tower Babblecast, Facebook.com slash Tower Babblecast, uh, YouTube.com slash Tower of Babble Podcast. You can find um, other content we've done. Game of Thrones. Send us your your thoughts, comments, concerns, theories to towerbevelpodcast at gmail.com. By the way, that's all B-A-B-B-L-E if you're not familiar. Uh, and find everything we do at towerbevel.ca. And as always, big thank you to Jeff Spicer, Jesse Graves, and Julie Abodili for helping support the show. The Jays, as I like to call them. Yeah. Yeah. Thus far. We need, we need some Ds in there. No... Well, Jays are good. <laughs> uh, and like I said, we'll be back next week to, to uh, unpack the greatest battle ever put to film. This week's Game of Thrones theme is an orchestral cover performed by the Richards Lebitus Orchestra. You can find their work on YouTube.